Well, hey, welcome. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision's magazine. Today is the 6th of June, 2021. Six of the 6th, baby. And I'm your host, Graham Cookson. And joining me this week, oh, oh, he's halfway there. Oh, oh, living on a prayer. It's Martin Gulick. Hey, where's the audience, Martin? normally doesn't take this long. Um, (laughs) Nice, nice to see you again. (laughs) And also... He's played his part. He's played his game. But baby, he gives love a bad name. It's Chris Powell, back on the show after a long hiatus. Hey, buddy. Hey there. Excellent. Excellent. So we are back once again, live on Twitch. So keep us company and fire off any questions you have in the chat, and we'll get to get to them as we go through the show. And as always, we've got a great show for you tonight. We'll be answering some of your burning questions. We'll have our usual gaming and movie banter and... To celebrate Sega's 60th first birthday, we'll be sharing you with some factoids and memories and such. Plus, we have our main feature discussion, which is all about the recent news that Yuji Naka has left Square Enix after the commercial failure of Balan Wonderworld, and he made a public announcement the other day on Twitter. So, strapping for the ride is this week's Megavision Show! Yep, so we are live, and as always, we'll start with how our week's been going. So, Martin, buddy, let's start with you. How are you doing, my friend? What's been up? Uh, well, it's been pretty good. Um, nothing crazy uh, at work. We got like our whole batch of interns every every summer in the ju- in June through August. We basically have five or so interns that help us out with you know extra content reviews and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so we've been kind of like planning out events with them and you know um i'm going to be supervising some of their content and all that fun stuff um so that that's kind of been taking a lot of my my week uh and then we also have a work camping trip uh this week actually so this upcoming uh weekend it will be going to uh indiana the indiana dunes national park so they have a camping place there it's right uh, next to uh lake michigan so uh i've been there actually in april a uh, really beautiful place um and uh we're gonna be camping there for two days some people are gonna visit just as day trippers because they have like you know uh like babies and kids and they probably don't want to be you know camping with them because it doesn't sound fun um <laughs> and yeah so that that's you, see you guys are tent camping I, I, we are tent camping. Yes. Uh, me and my partner are tent camping and there's some other people who will be tent camping as well. One of them got like a cabin cause they, they prefer, you know, uh, cabin glamping. <laughs> Is there a <laughs> they, spot they, for RVs there? Yes. Oh. That's what you guys need to do. Your next step up. Get an you RV. Get like a pop-up. There's Something no spot for an RV to, to like, I can't park an RV in Chicago. <laughs> I don't yeah, also have an area to get. A pop-up camper is what would be good for something like you guys, where you do, you, you are maybe low on, on space. A pop-up camper can fit inside like any garage. Cause what it, does a pop-up it, it, camper it, look like? 
it looks like a small when it's lower down it just looks like a small trailer you're pulling behind you and you can pull it with a car they're not very oh. heavy but what they do is they have like a winch system and you you they raise up uh and there's some really nice ones out there too uh that actually have restrooms and stuff in it so you when you're at a campsite you can do all your full connections dude Ooh. i got you on the camping if you want if you want to <laughs> glamp and style i got you i can hook you up <laughs> well you have a freaking rv don't you don't you still oh, have yeah. that rv it's a it's a travel trailer. It's not a it's not, not an actual RV. Uh, oh. A true RV can drive itself. But uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I have the travel trailer. It 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 hooks up to my hitch on my truck. So so we if if what you're describing is what we have in the UK, we call them caravans. Do you not call them caravans? Is that well, we, is that like a, a trailer that you pull? So yeah, it's basically a bit like an RV in that it's got yep. all the stuff like a kitchen and bed and everything in there, but it doesn't have the driving components. So yeah, you that's exactly hook, what hook, it is. Uh, okay, yeah, we call them caravans over here. And um, I think yeah. here when we think of caravans, we think of like a horse and wagon from like 1863. <laughs> that's why we don't call it caravans. Yeah. <laughs> we have a 21st century term for that. Oh, These dear. Yanks are more evolved. They're um, speaking in like the King James. <laughs> we like to keep it old school over here yeah. <laughs> that's cool I, I i didn't think about that maybe maybe we'll look into that because i remember i visited you well, i guess now it was like 2019 i don't think i went inside your rv thing but i can show you guys uh jamie's currently oh. using it as storage for her uh her like uh online clothing store so it's, it's just like boxes of clothes but that she was doing the idea You'll get the idea. She's not doing candles, no. Or soaps. I thought it was soaps. She was making her own soaps for a minute. She wasn't doing that one thing, though, that's super annoying that people do, where they get on some sort of thing, and it's like Thrive. It's a new business, and they just start sending out in invites to all their friends on Facebook. That's the you most a pyramid annoying. scheme? <laughs> I hate it. Man, I have family, some family members. I won't name them, but that they get involved in those things and then they start messaging you and, and like, won't leave you alone about it. So you're finally like, God, just, okay, I'll do it. But then just leave me alone. <laughs> it's like, all right, but you have to buy 10 boxes of these and then you have to sell these yeah. to your friends too. Oh, like, God. And just let it keep yeah. going. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know we were talking about camping then we just devolved into pyramid schemes, but um, yeah, it's basically what my, what my week has been. And then I also watched a couple shows. Uh, I don't know if you guys have HBO max, but if you do, I would recommend watching Hacks, which is which is really well written. I think it's it's pretty hilarious. Um, What's it watched, about? It's basically uh, it's like this. Ret- uh, she's basically a retired. Uh, I, don't, I guess she's not retired. She's in her her twilight years as a, a comedian, and she works in Vegas. She's like in her sixties hmm. and seventies. She's a pretty well known actress, but basically like. Uh, she's having trouble trying to reignite her Vegas residency or whatever, and she needs new material. So there's like this much younger writer who helps her out, and there's like this whole hmm. story and relationship development. It's really good. I did like it's 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 really well well done. Um, Jamie and, and I are looking for a new show, so that that sounds and definitely. We, we, we definitely do have look it up. Definitely look it up. Um, I I would definitely and and then let me know what you think because I, I think it it could be right up your guys' alleys. Hmm, um, and Cruella, we watched yesterday. I was surprised at how well I enjoyed it. I wasn't sure okay. if I was going to be a fan because I was like, "Well, how do you make a character likable who wants to skin dogs and make a coat out of them?" You know, but yeah, 
They did a good job. I, I, th- I think they did a really good job with it. Uh, I thought the writing was great. I thought Emma Stone was perfect as Cruella DeVille, which I did not think was going to work either. But they did. I think a lot of times really it's, nice. it's that miss, I guess, uh, how, how do you say it? But it's just like that. Uh, it's kind of the, the same way they do in, in Wicked. Have you seen uh, the, that Broadway show Wicked before? No. I don't know if you've seen videos of it. But it's I mean, I, I've heard of it, yeah. Of the Wicked Witch of uh, the West from Wizard of Oz, and it kind of shows her perspective, and she's not really as bad as you think she is. Yeah. You, know, you see it from her perspective, and she's actually kind of a, a good person. Uh, I don't know if they took that route in, in Cruella, but I assume that's kind of what they're going for, and that's an easy way when you're writing a story to kind of make a, an unlikable character likable. Yeah. Like, by showing them earlier on when they're not so evil yet, and so you kind of connect with them. So yeah, I, mm. I was thinking of, I don't know if you've seen Maleficent and Maleficent Mysteries yes. of Evil, um, which I saw quite recently because everyone told me they were terrible. And I watched it and was like, I actually enjoyed those movies. I thought they were quite good. So did I. <laughs> yeah. So I, did I. I. I wasn't sure if I liked the sequel either, but I thought they did a good job with the sequel Yeah, too, I, I love them it, both. <laughs> it's a similar vein, I guess, like like those. I feel like they're trying to get like, here's the perspective of the villain kind of thing that they're going for recently, which is fine because I think so far they've done a good job with the movies that they've created I, I would like to see a sequel from this movie for sure um and yeah there were some people and names i did not put two and two together like oh you guys are from the original 101 dalmatians like the character oh. uh, not the actor oh okay so like i i, I just i just forgot their names i guess but it, 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 i'm sure it was obvious for people who've seen those movies but um I never yeah she's seen 101 dalmatians like the the animated or the live action one i've never seen ever no, I know about them. I know what they're about. I know who Coretta is, but literally <laughs> never seen them. I, yeah, I know it's there's a, good, a dog yeah, called it's a good show. Tongo I mean, this, this is obviously much more sophisticated uh, in terms of like acting and, and writing and whatnot. But I think they, uh, yeah, they really knocked it out of the park. So if they could make another version like this and maintain it, I would be yeah. totally on board. Sweet, brilliant. And then I also watched Kim's Convenience because I've been watching that too. And they're on their, oh. I guess their fifth and final season. I guess they're oh. canceling it after this, which is that's bullshit. Because right. it's a really good show. That's popped up on my Netflix a couple of times, and I added it to my list just the other day, um, thinking that could be a show I could watch. Uh, I think they've got three or four seasons on the UK Netflix. But mm-hmm. I'm sad to hear they're, they're canceling it. Yeah, uh, especially because it didn't look like it was going to be ending anytime soon. But okay, I guess Netflix uh, or whoever owns it had other ideas. But damn it. Uh, all the good shows are good. freaking ending. Because what was they already announced that they're not going to do any more Jupiter? What is it? Uh, Jupiter's uh, the one Netflix. Oh, Jupiter's Legacy. Heroes. Yeah, they already yeah, said that they're going to. They're they're not doing any more Jupiter's Legacy, but they are doing more films than the one dude <sighs> universe, I guess. But just no more Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, but like that's just they just came out with that. Yeah, like I thought that was a brand new thing. It's like it's like when they cancelled um oh the uh, Santa Clarita diet. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. I like that. Yeah, I did. I, I thought that, that was show a, too. I loved a great know. show. I loved it. It was very unique, and I, yeah, I wasn't so sure why they would cancel that. Either. Yeah, it's like, one of it's so funny, so different, and you know Drew uh, Drew Barrymore, man. Love well, now she does her own show. Now she's probably trying to kick Ellen's ass with her daytime talk show. So. I, I, she did. I, uh, I saw one episode of that, and she had Tom Green on, which was great because it was like the first time they had spoken since their divorce many years wow. ago. Because I don't know if you guys remember, they were married for a while. Wow. And it was actually 
really amazing. It was it was just really cool to see because uh, they just had a really special moment. They were both very kind to each other, and it it seemed like they had a very amicable parting, and it wasn't messy. And they it seemed like they had a good relationship, you know, even after these so many years. But that was a, a really cool um, piece. And I guess Tom Green's going back to RVs. He converted this bus. I got this like a, a, a not a bus, but a van. He got it converted and added in all these like cool like RV type stuff. But he also put a sound studio and he basically essentially made it into a mobile podcast studio where he takes it on the road and he goes all like way out into the deserts and doing all these cool videos. But along the way, he'll meet up with people, celebrities, other people and do podcasts with them in his van. And he Dude. does all the editing right there. It's really neat. Dude, it's, next it's next cool E3, stuff. that's what we should do. We should go to yours, get in your caravan RV. or whatever you call it. Your RV thing will drive down to E3 and like we'll pick you up. To California. Yeah. What if we start now um, and we do a real legit caravan with the where horses. we actually walk it and we walk it. We start we'll now for it. next oh, year. God. Maybe we'll get there. In with a horse and movie. horse and carriage. It's going to yeah. be a real life Oregon Trail. You died of sepsis. Dysentery. Yeah, dysentery. Oh man, that's not going to be good. I had a disappointment. <laughs> but that Drew Barrymore show thing, I genuinely hadn't heard of it until like yesterday, and now you've mentioned it again. Like I didn't know it was a thing. We don't. I don't think it's on TV over here. Basically, uh, wow, crazy stuff. Love it. It's exclusive to the states for now, but yeah. I mean, yeah. she started the show when it was like quarantine, when it was like the pandemic at an all time high. Okay. They're like, all right, let's do a show. And they just have, you know, people on, on Skype cameras. But I think they're slowly opening it back up, as is a lot of things now. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, uh, an arcade bar on Friday. That did not go well for me anyway. <laughs> I mixed, I mixed way too many drinks. I think I was oh, too overly right. excited for being in a bar <laughs> in a while. But I was like, oh, yeah, because one of his friends was at one of these bars that was right next to it. And they were giving us free gin shots. And I was mixing oh, random yeah. gins. And there's this one with, uh, what the hell is it called? Not Amethyst. Um, Absinthe. Absinthe, thank you. Yeah, Absolve. I had a drink with Absinthe. And mm. then like we went to the sushi place and we had all you can eat sushi. And then we had sake. Oh, and then we went oh. to that emporium that I mentioned. That was the last stop. And then I mixed like two beers, some coffee liqueur drink. And so I basically have like raw fish, rice, six different kinds of booze. And then that's I woke a... up the next day and I threw up, which was yeah, I was nice. not surprised. That's that sounds like a bad mix in your stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm not much of a drinker anymore. I can't I just I don't know. Well, I haven't been I like, like that either. I, I think I just went way over to the top. I, figured, <laughs> I feel like I was like, oh, well, you know, it might as well. It's yeah, I know the feeling, though, because, man, uh, once you get out and you feel like, I, like I've missed this so much, you're just being out and doing something that, you know, you've missed wow. going to a bar. Um, yeah, I can I can tell you can get a little wild. So Yeah. But Wait, yeah, I'll take was... you to some of the bars out here, Marcin. Oh yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm waiting. I'll, but I'll be a classy drinker. I'm not going to be <laughs> a, a ratchet drinker. Yeah. Um, Marson's coming in a couple of weeks for a visit. Yes, and so we got it all planned out. So it's pretty um, exciting. Yeah, I, I think Antichrist Scrub Wars in the chats a bit shocked. What? How doesn't drink? 
Uh, I've seen you drink, my friend. I've seen you drink. I do drink. Um, I'm just you get angry at balloons. Not, not those kind of days, though. Not those kind of days drinking. Uh, it's yeah, classier. It was the days of me getting kicked out of PAX East. Uh, yeah. After Chris got us uh, kicked out of, uh, for touching balloons too much. <laughs> that bouncer was ridiculous. Well, that's They've a story for another show. about that these days on the Wii and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I touching got balloons. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, Martin, what else have you been up to? Got any pickups? Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the main game that I was playing this week was Virtua Fighter 5 Ultimate Ooh. Showdown. So I got the chance to finally play it. It must have been like Wednesday or, or something like that. I, I got a chance to sit down. I thought it's really smooth gameplay. I do think the audio, for some reason, is very... Um, it, it felt like muffled in a sense, like okay. like like the music and all that was good, but then like when they're talking, it sounded like it was compressed, and I don't I don't know why they couldn't fix that when they you know upgraded the 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 backgrounds, the the game character models and all that, but it, it's really good, um, and it, and honestly, not as hard as I thought it would be. I don't know why. Like I feel like there's this myth that people think Virtua Fighter Five is super hard to learn i guess but i i just i didn't feel like it was that difficult personally it's it's a different setup for sure um because like in my in my brain normally i think like the blocking button is like you know l1 or r1 or whatever but it's it's square um and and yeah but but i do it and the online for me was was okay too like it wasn't complete it was a, a little bit delayed in terms of like uh, when you land a punch, it was it felt a little uh, laggy in a sense, but but I still won. Like I was, I won like five matches in a row. Okay. <laughs> so oh. and I and I was just using uh, oh God, Sarah Bryant because I because I'm like oh yeah I like I like the actress because voice actor because she did uh, Joy in Shenmue and oh. she did Xu Ying in Shenmue. So I'm like I like her. I'll play with Sarah Bryant. So. So, uh, yeah, do, do you reckon that any of that delay or anything could be to because like the new servers that are up or anything? Do you reckon it might get smoother, or do you reckon that's just how it is at the moment? Uh, who was I watching? Was it Maximilian, dude? Uh, he, he's the uh, YouTuber who does a lot of fighting game stuff. But it, it sounded like basically Sega took these servers that are like in 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 like i don't know how how i would describe it but they like put them in different countries and like it's just a better way of connecting i don't know maybe anti-chris can can explain it better in the chat about this stuff a lot (laughs) but but yeah it's uh it's i mean like the online was good i thought it was good and then i saw my brother on his instagram story pulled out his fight stick because he's much more of a proficient fighting game player than i am he does Street Fighter a lot, Mortal Kombat. He likes Dragon Ball Fighters. I think that's what it's called. Uh, so he plays those pretty, pretty religiously, and he's better at it than I am. I used to be a non nonstop button masher, but he's taught me to actually have more of a strategy when it comes to fighting. Because if I just you know mash my buttons on there, it doesn't necessarily work. I guess unless you're playing Soul Calibur or, <laughs> or, you can do that or Soul Calibur, Eddie Gordo and Tekken. That. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that that's half fun. the fun of a fighting yeah. game just mashing the buttons at the start at least just i remember maxi was the worst at in soul caliber Felix is pretty bad too but oh, or yeah. nightmares they're all fucking bad they're all bad even with the <laughs> we're doing pole caliber nightmare is like so he, he's crazy oh there you go dragon ball fighter z that's a solid fighter i, I would say i think that they did I've a great job with that, that. Nah. do you like yeah. dragon ball z 
Uh, no, I've never seen it. Well, I, can't, I don't like it or dislike it. I've never actually seen it. I know of it. I know of existence. I know about going Super Saiyan. So, but yeah, that's... That's what yeah, I, there you go. That's what I was trying to explain. It, like, watch some of the movies, maybe. The okay. Broly one that they released, the Nostalgia, was really good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, so, so Antichrist said, Netcode in certain areas will be better because the servers are located in, like, 11 places across the U.S. in Chicago's Midwest server. Yeah. But, but so, like, maybe, maybe Antichrist, you might know better. So doesn't that sound like a more expensive uh, way of going about the online than, than, I guess, overhauling it in a way where it's more aligned with current... Uh, I don't know, fighting games. I, I feel like that sounds like a more expensive way of doing it. I don't know. Maybe they're just written out a couple servers at these places. It's like, <laughs> that's all they're, you have to do, that, right? That's what I thought they say. Maximilian dude said he, like they were renting out these servers from Google or something. I don't I see, know. Amazon, I know Amazon does a lot of shit like that too. Wow. So now I, I wonder as well, like, well, Antichrist might know, will, will this make it fairer for compete competitors around the world? Because there have been problems in the past where, like all the servers have been based in America, for example, and then when European players uh, are like playing either first-person shooter games or fighting games, there's a slight lag that the Europeans players don't see, but it actually turns up and like they get their asses kicked. Basically, um, there was a big thing about it a few years ago. Um, I remember reading articles about it because I remember ha- that happened to me in like Halo and stuff. Like, We've been hearing you- that shit since the American Revolution, Graham. Own God up damn your losses, <laughs> like a man. <laughs> That's why we lost the American Revolution. There's lag. There's lag. We're lagging. (laughs) But I remember shooting people in the face in Halo and stuff, like literally just in the face, and they're like turning around, like going, What are you doing? Then shoot me once, I'm dead. I'm like, What? (laughs) God damn it. I need to I need to catch this. I shot you in the face. (laughs) I shot you. (laughs) It's like playing playing like it in or what do you call it? Tag, (laughs) tag in like the playground. I got you, I touched you. (laughs) No, you didn't. You got my coat. I couldn't feel it. <laughs> oh man, I love it. <laughs> so, just a quick follow up from from Mister Scrub Wars. From what I know, Rollback is more expensive to manage, and the problem is the netcode is coded into the platform itself, and you'd have to build the infrastructure within the game from the ground up. So, wow. there you go. There you go. Perfect. Cool. So, uh, Martin, that, you, that is my thing. That is your that's thing. It. So let's that move on thing. to Chris, who hasn't been on the show for. Feels like a year or a month or I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a long it time. It feels like a long time. I couldn't even remember what show what show it was. But man, yeah. I, I think I might have an honest to God curse <laughs> that's been placed upon my life or on my family or something. Uh and I'm especially convinced because last night I we watched Conjuring Three. Uh, the devil made me do it, which I guess they need a tagline. Every every movie needs a tagline. I saw that too after I came back from the bar and don't remember any of it, so I have to watch it again. <laughs> See, maybe you loved it, and then now you can watch it again. It's like a whole new movie. <laughs> but no, I okay. So it all starts, um, and I don't. Maybe it's like some weird ghost in my house. My ghost, my house is pretty old. Maybe. They don't want us to move or something. I, I there's know. a graveyard next to your house, isn't there? There okay. is a graveyard. Yes. Didn't you say your neighbor uncovered like Indian <laughs> burial ground arrowheads next he, door or something was, like that? When they raised his house, because remember, we live in a flood zone. They, um, as they were digging, they he found some old uh, like uh, uh, axe heads. And he there took them go. out and uh, oh, them gave them to you. No. Um, <laughs> and all this bad stuff started happening, all this bad luck and like just really bad stuff started happening. And 
He's he doesn't seem like he's overly like religious or superstitious or anything like that. But he told me that uh, he put it back. He buried them under back where they were at, and nothing's happened since. So, <laughs> oh, God. Um, like, honey, why did you write red rum on the window? That's weird. <laughs> I will say the guy that built my house and my neighbors, him and his wife, are buried in the the cemetery. Oh, like, and he built that. this is the house was built like seventeen eighty something like that. So they probably um, really liked you and don't want you to move, so they had you fall over. With Maybe. The I mean, <laughs> I would rather they liked me than disliked me. But That's I mean, true. That's, that's right. No, don't leave. Let me break <laughs> so the words. So where this starts is we decided we're selling our home. And this is where the horror story begins is uh, when we decided to do that. But to even get to the point of putting our house on the market, there were so many projects that we had to get done. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been in the position of, of getting a house ready to sell. Uh, <laughs> no. But there are just so many things you have to do. But we had a lot of just different projects. Ranging from needing to like to sand uh, the front porch and restain it and paint it and do everything, and uh, we had to do that and just all sorts of work in the yard, uh, having to put in mulch and landscaping stuff. It killed me just about. And after one day, a full full day's work, we we did get a contractor to come in and do some work on the house, and they laid some new flooring in our bedroom. But to do that, we had to move all the furniture out into like the kids' rooms and things like that. And the we have this big dresser, and we had it on those like little slidey things. You know, you could place them on, and you could push them around. It makes it really easy. Mm-hmm. So we had it on that, and that was great. But the problem is, you have to bend over and pick them up and to pull them out. And as I was going over to like lift the dresser and slide the little thing out. Like this shot of pain, just like I felt like almost like a gunshot in my back, and I fell backwards and I couldn't get up. I it was just like the worst pain I've ever felt. So you didn't and pick it up yet. You you were like in the middle I, of I picked it up. it up. I was in the in the motion of picking it up, and it like happened. I just dropped and fell. Who was with ground. you? Like was, was Elliot not Jamie pulling his weight? <laughs> No one was helped. Like Jamie was just standing off. It, was all, it happened like right here where I'm at. Um, and she was standing there because she didn't think it was anything big. I mean, I've done stuff like that a million times. And, it, you know, it's just, Bigger I think my things. back was just, I, I, I messed my back up earlier in the day or something. Anyway, I couldn't get up. I, she had to like physically grab me and kind of like lift me onto the bed. And I laid there for like nine minutes thinking, of, like, how the hell? What am I going to do? I couldn't move. It felt like my leg was burning, my left leg. I felt uh, like this like intense like burning all the way down my whole leg. And I couldn't move. And they, she was going to call the ambulance. And she's like, I'm calling 911. I'm calling the ambulance. You have to go to the doctor or whatever. I'm, I'm, I know. That'll be $2,000. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. And I wasn't even thinking about the money. I was thinking about just the embarrassment of getting carried out of my own home, down my stairs and all. And I was like, that's not happening at all. <laughs> And the only I way I could move, and laughing. <laughs> I, I realized that if I stood on my hands and knees, I could, that was like one motion I could kind of do, but I couldn't move forward because my leg was in so much pain. I couldn't bring it forward to make that motion. It was, I, it just wouldn't work. It wasn't happening. So I had to crawl backwards on my hands and knees <laughs> down my stairs, <laughs> down my front porch. God. From my walkway, and then kind of climb up into. So was Jamie just like following behind you while you were crawling down to, the stairs? I mean, at the point she helped me get into the the, the truck, and so I, I ended up going to 
the emergency room and they gave me a bunch of drugs and then I was I was good after that. Uh, and <laughs> Gucci. They did some uh they did a, a CT scan on my back and they it came back and they saw that there was two like really bad bulging discs that were putting pressure oh. or pinching and the nerve that went all down my leg and that's what was happening. The next day I went or the, the couple days later I went to my chiropractor and he had uh, said I slipped a disc and he did his chiropractor thing and I was good after that. My back was fine, but my leg is what's been giving me problems. Like I think I have like some nerve stuff going on. It's all tingly and numb. So I was telling you guys before we started, like, yeah, um, like it was to the point where I mean, I, for a while I couldn't walk. Still, even after the the um, even after going to the doctor and everything, I couldn't walk for a while. And I finally was able to walk, but I couldn't even lift my leg enough to put my underwear. Like I'd have to get help from my wife to just put my underwear and pants on. It was in so much pain all the time and I couldn't sleep. It was the worst. And it's got, it's getting better every day. It's getting better. Um, I did fall a few times. Like my leg would just give out underneath me. Um, It was kind of scary. So I was like, I was actually using like a walking stick in my backyard. I felt like such an old man, but uh, it's like I said, it's getting better. This was the first week that I I got back on the Peloton. I started doing the Peloton again. I started on Monday. I had done it every, wait, I, I think I started on Tuesday, but I did, I've done it every day since then. I've gone, I've started going back to the gym. I'm just trying to take it easy because mm-hmm. my back is still a little um, weak or it just feels off. And my leg, I'm not doing any sort of squats or anything like that. I'm not putting any sort of uh, weight on my leg, but that that's just one thing though. Let me keep going. That was one bit. <laughs> that was one. That was the first one. That oh, was God. one thing. My whole back thing. So whilst we were getting this happening, I don't even the timeline of this is a blur because it's just so much that happened in such a short seeming time frame. Like I don't my mind is just completely lost track of the, the timeline of the events. But so Jamie was working in the kids' room painting and she was painting the trim and she had to lift the uh, the vent off to get this part of the trim. And as she was doing that, I think she got uh, someone called her. So she walked out of the room. And as she walked back in, uh, our cat, Sam, like crawled into the vent. And she's like, oh, man, Sam, get out, get out. And it was uh, it was not a very big vent. And so he couldn't turn around in it or anything. And oh, so God. he was like, so he ended up walking through and then coming into the bathroom and upstairs. And we could see him up there. But I tried to lift the grate off and I couldn't like it was too small of a hole to like, pull him through. And we couldn't get him out. And so he stayed there for like a day and we were giving him food and like water and stuff in the little, he looked like a little prisoner. You know, he's like out there. He's like, Master, release me. Uh, But uh, we couldn't get him out. And so finally we're like, okay, I think we need to like call, I don't even know who to call. Like, who? You got a fucking animal in your vent. And so we started with like, let's just, I guess, animal control. Hammer to the drywall. We, We call the animal control and he comes out and. At this point, we've lost track of Sam. He's not up there anymore. Um, and he just looks in. He's like, I can't find I can't find him. He's like, we're going to have to call the fire department. So the fire department comes out. And they come with, like, the ambulance and everything. I'm like, God damn it. And, like. What does an ambulance have to do just, with a cat? They, like, I don't know. They start just disassembling the whole goddamn HVAC system. And they're like, whoa. And finally, they take it all apart. And they're like, well, we can't, uh, we can't find the cat. 
We suggest we're just uh, maybe leave just this here. leave. We're, yeah, we're just let this stay open for a couple of days, and I'm sure the cat will just come out. Oh my I'm god. like, you, you oh asshole. Oh my god. And I'm like, so that's what we're going to do. Okay, that's the plan, right? Okay, so then we're like, okay, we can't just, that's, we can't just, that's not a good idea, obviously. And we still, we hear the him every once in a while. We hear his meows like in the thing. And we yeah, must have like shit in your HVAC too, right? Like, there's no way he didn't know, go to the man. bathroom at all. <laughs> Um, and then <laughs> yeah. we're, we, we put, vent, uh, <laughs> we put uh, like food and stuff <laughs> around the vent and we were getting even more worried because we, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to give them water. And so we called an HVAC guys out that had like cameras and they could go through, they went through the whole venting system. They still couldn't find them. And they're at this point, this has been like three days and they're like, oh you know God. what? We think that what probably happened is. He maybe chewed a hole through your venting system or something. And because there's some parts of it where it's metal and some parts that's kind of like a plastic material. And they're like, he's probably in your walls and your, and he's probably going to die in there. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm trying to sell this house. And like, this house is literally supposed to go on the market in like two days at this point. And we had like two days. I'm like, a dead cat? What? Like, I can't do, I was freaking out. And, and so it was like later that night we had given up and I'm like, I, I don't know what to even do I, at this point. And then Odin goes into the back room, uh, into the laundry room to, I think he's putting some clothes away. And then all of a sudden he screams, he's like, I hear, I hear Sam. And sure enough, we go in there and he somehow, I don't know even how he got down there, but there was a vent in the laundry room and he was, uh, he was there and, but it was like the same kind of vent that was in the bathroom up here, and I couldn't get them out. So I had to like disassemble the whole thing, and it was a whole mess. So we got the cat out. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and then, like a week later, I don't know what happened. It's the same cat, and he starts like, I was getting ready uh, for for the day and everything, and uh, I'm sitting down. All of a sudden, I notice like this spot of blood next to me. Oh god! And I'm like, oh my god, what? And he's just like all this blood is like coming out of his like junk area. It, it looked like it was coming out of his, like his rectum or something. And I was like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Like what is happening? I take him to the emergency vet. And I guess it's this thing called fluted. It's like, um, I guess it almost acts as like almost like a UTI for cats, but it's non-bacterial and it, it happens mostly in ginger cats, apparently. So okay. if you have a ginger cat, be careful for, for, for fluted. Um, fluted. But it's it's just like all this craziness happened. So the good news about all this is we finally have have sold. We we have our house under contract. We've sold. We're in the process of selling our home. Um, so that is a big success. And later on today, we're going to go see a uh, another house that we're looking at. It's actually a little farm house uh, nearby that we're looking at that I'm really excited about, and it could have some big. Uh, plans in store for for megavisions and stuff in the future, so that's exciting. And, and is Sam okay? I didn't. Sam, okay. So basically, what? Like I said, fluted is like this urinary tract thing. Uh, it's like a it it's, it causes blockages for them to be able to to urinate, and it's very painful, and and they could cause some bleeding. Essentially, the doctor's like, he needs to drink more water. And you need to give them this medicine that actually kind of like works like 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 an antidepressant for cats. <laughs> uh, and 
it, he's, he's like, you'll notice he'll yeah, act please. like a whole new cat. Like you're his, it'll change his personality and make him more bolder and things. So if he gets oh, like no. kind of picked on by other cats, like he'll be more aggressive sometimes, but, and it's crazy. We have this like little dropper uh, and we have to put it in his mouth and he hates it. But after that, like he goes downstairs and is around the dogs and he's never ever goes downstairs. So I don't know. I it, it's I don't know if he just sold me snake oil or what, but <laughs> it, <laughs> it seems to be working. Wow. Because I remember when I went to your house, you got that massive dog Nana, and the cats just wouldn't yes. come downstairs basically because Nana would just chase them off. But wow. And it, Max <laughs> is actually the worst, the little dog. Uh, he'll chase uh, them around and um but what's funny is that sometimes he'll get because he'll 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 go chase them and Nana will come too. So he brings Nana with him, like when he starts barking, <laughs> and that's what really scares the cats. But what's better is when he doesn't realize that Nana goes downstairs and he's left upstairs and the cats corner him because yeah. they will fuck him up sometimes. And I'm like, Max, you get this coming to you, dude. Like, you, this is on you. I'm not stepping in. And I'll have to eventually when he's like, they start like really hurt. <laughs> I'm like, he's like a little asshole. So I'm like, man, cats, you get him. Like, but um, it's always the tiny dogs. Oh, uh, he's a, he's a dick, man. Um, <laughs> but we did go see Conjuring Three last night. This is a, this is one of those that released simultaneously on HBO Max and also in theaters. Okay. And Jamie and I are huge fans of the Conjuring series. We actually went with some friends of ours that they know they're big into the paranormal. They run their own paranormal research. Uh, group in South Jersey for a number of years and they're they know the Warren family and so they are very knowledgeable about the stories and stuff and I think a lot of it now is it's so it's so out there a lot of the events it's like this movie uh have, have you guys watched the Conjuring movies are you familiar with them the story no, of Anna Lorraine I know they or, exist but I don't know anything about them. It's it's essentially uh, follows the story of these two they were demonologists uh, and they helped people, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. They were very, uh, they were they on a lot of cases. And they did, I think they were associated in some part with the Amityville case as well. Uh, but they were also, came under a lot of scrutiny in like the 70s and 80s uh, on, on just them being hacks and just making it all okay. up. And so there's, even, even today, there's still a lot of controversy surrounding them. Some people still believe that they made a lot of it all up. But anyway, they started making these movies based on some of the uh, the stories and the you know the accounts that they've had, and they're really I, I think they're really good uh, from just a a, a storytelling and a filmmaking. It the first two were some of the scariest movies, some of the scariest newer movies I had seen okay. in a really long time. So going to this, we had a lot of expectations, and I guess they ended up getting a new director. And I will say that I just. Overall, I don't want to get into a lot of the details about it, but I I was kind of underwhelmed. I didn't think it was okay. as scary as the other ones, uh, and it just it just didn't do it for me. I think though, uh, Vera Farmiga and I can't remember the guy that plays Ed Ed Warren uh, for the life of me, but he's in everything. He's a great actor. What I think they should do is take them to. Because they're by far the most interesting aspect of all these movies, it, to include all the demons and all the other crap that they have. I think those actors are excellent, and I think they do a good job in these roles. They should do one of these like Paramount Plus shows or something like that, and just make it like a, almost like an X Files style show, following them just doing like cases 
And it okay. does you know, in that way you, have, you could get away from all the stupid movie tropes and all the other bullshit that things that you have to do to make a movie. And I think doing that would be make it so much better. And you could kind of follow some of the stories that they did, or just maybe say it's based on these characters, and then you could do whatever you want with them at that point. But um, I, I do think, Graham, if you're in the mood for a, a scary movie that borders on some sort of the uh, realism, if you believe in you know religion at all, okay. uh, the original Conjuring movie is really scary and i'm not gonna try i'm not i'm not the best with scary movies but some (laughs) oh we know we know yeah well some some scary movies i i can try and get into yeah i think because you get too scared from the scary movies or they're just underwhelming (sighs) for you there's a mixture there's some which i do find quite scary and there's like it's almost like i don't really want to be scared like that's not my my style um scary video games are the worst for me i just can't i'm just so scared of them but some scary movies, I just think they're not very scary. I'm like, okay, this isn't even scary. Or some of them are just more violent. And I'm like, someone had to think this messed up shit up, basically. Like, what the first few Saw movies, like Saw 1 and 2, maybe even Saw 3, I thought were fine. Quite enjoyed them. And then, like, I think Saw 4, I was like, that is fucked up. Like, some of the stuff they were doing, I was just like, I don't want to watch this anymore. This is just messed up. Like, didn't enjoy those at all. Um, I like Ring, I like the like Japanese Ring, and also the American version of Ring. I thought was good as well. Um, and yeah, I like some of the other ones. But yeah, maybe I'll give this a try. I think yeah, some of them they the border on like like uh, I don't know snuff or torture porn. Basically, some yeah. of them get pretty like oh, that's, you just just saw this person in half completely. That's you know? basically like, what the later Saw movies are. Like the first couple of Saw movies are a bit psychological, I think, but then the later ones are just like. People getting I think it just depends. Over, like, bloody hell. Oh, it just depends, like, I guess, the context. Because I guess maybe it can work in some instances. If something is like, oh, this is just, you're doing it just for the sake of doing it. I think That's- if it's like, it, if you use it in certain spots, it's like wrestling, it's like all this other stuff. You just, you, you know, you sprinkle that stuff in there if you're going to go there. But if it's, it's, if that's what, you- based it all around, it doesn't do it for me. I know other people like it, but I'll, I'll agree with yeah. you guys. Um, before we move on, I do want to say one more thing about okay. Conjuring 3. I think the bright spot in that movie, other than uh, the, the, the lead actors, was uh, John Noble uh, was in this. Uh, he played a he plays this retired Catholic priest, and he's really weird and, and kind of eccentric. I, I really liked his his uh, the way he portrayed this character, but he played Denethor in the Lord of the Ring films. Uh, Which remember him? He was the um, uh, the the steward of Gondor. Uh, he's the one that sent. He was uh, Boromir and Faramir's father. He sent oh. Faramir to die. And God, Bor- that crazy dude. Yeah, he set up. You know, spoilers. He sets himself on fire. But um, <laughs> anyway, not in Conjuring Three, though. Wait, no, I don't think so. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but anyway, he he's really cool in this movie. He's just kind of like very out there, and I thought it's a kind of a, a really cool. Uh, you know, just the, his 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 work in this was really good. And so if there's anything, if you're into the series or maybe you just like him as an actor, he, I think he did a really good uh, role in this film. And mm. uh, before we move on, uh, I did get one pickup that I would like to show off real quick. It's uh, Panzer Paladin on Switch. Uh, this nice. is from Limited Run. So did, uh, Didn't you already like, have that on Switch? Oh. I bought the... Uh, I bought the digital version ah, on switch okay. uh, cuz i got the physical uh they gave me some sort of uh like media re- review copy or something uh but it was it was cool cuz it was like in a genesis clamshell box and it had a code in it and everything for review okay. 
Uh, but I said that to uh, Tornado. Because uh, he he loved this game just as much as I did. I was like, man, I think he wrote the review on it. So I was like, you deserve this. So Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was really uh. happy to get this. Uh, I absolutely love this game. If you haven't played it, it's it looks like a, I guess, a Castlevania 2D, one of those style of games. But what's cool, you're this, it, it has a, 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 a small bit of a Blaster Master, I guess, thrown in because you can get out of your mech. Uh, and you're this like tiny little android uh, girl. It's awesome. She has a chain whip, oh, and she can cool. use it to like uh, go to, to like cling on stuff. So the platforming bits are really cool because there's certain times where you have to get out of your mech to access certain parts to unlock a door to then get back in. And it has a bit of Mega Man thrown in where you can absorb powers and and other things from your defeated bosses. So it does that whole thing really well. And I think they just made a very well rounded tight uh you know 2d game and that's panzer paladin they they're also working on the new uh team and t uh is it shredder's revenge which is uh, awesome yeah. uh because i i just think this is a super talented team and it's great to see them work on a big license uh like turtles and I, hopefully yeah. they'll knock it out of the park and be able to go on and and do some more great stuff but the uh, tribute games is is i think a studio to keep an eye on um, in the future i think they're going to be doing some cool stuff awesome Cool. And did you have any more house stuff to talk about? Or I feel I feel like there was something I interrupted you, and you were going to talk about something else. But oh well, I think I I was just going to say um, I think maybe it, it, I was going to talk about the, the the barn. It's and everything else. It's 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 a legit farm that we're going to be buying. Uh, and I've never farmed a day in my life, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Everything will have go you sold your kids ram, sure. kids on that idea yet? The kids are all sold on the idea. Uh, they're all really excited about it because the house itself is is in really uh, they they took taken great care of it. Uh, it's the inside has been redone. Uh, it's all been updated. Only uh, two cats stuck say, in a vent. That's, that's that's what it is. There is no vents. That's <laughs> oh, the, that's ooh. one of the drawbacks. There are no vents, so there's no AC in the house. Uh, oh, so, English uh, style, sir. Yeah. Well, we, we don't really have AC in the house. <laughs> And I don't know, but it's 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 gonna be awesome. I'm really excited. So more to come on that because I don't. I, I'm afraid to say too much. I don't want to okay. get too excited about it okay. because okay. it doesn't work out, and then I'll, I'll be even more disappointed. So I'm trying to yeah. measure my, uh, I guess, excitedness level and keep it yep. at it at a somewhat maybe a six. I'm at a six right now. Okay. I think when we go later, I'm going to be at a seven. I'm at a nine. Uh, so yeah, and I don't oh, know anything well. about this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, any, anything else? Is that is that That's your... it. Okay, fair enough. I want to cool. hear about your week, Graham. You oh, tell me excellent. about what's been Wonderful. going on in your life. Well, yeah. this, uh, well, I don't. I, I, there was a few things I wanted to talk about, but uh, I think I might save them for the next week. But uh, there's a couple of things I will bring up for this week. Um, so, a few things I've sort of been doing and watching. Um, any Friends fans here? Has I anyone, have. Yes. Has anyone seen the Friends reunion? I did. Yes. I want to see it. I was telling Jamie, I was like, we're going to watch it tonight. So okay. I'm, I'm all about it. Okay. I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm just going to say. <laughs> In which case, can't talk about it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That's all I'm going to say. I enjoyed it. I'll say this, Graham. I don't mind. I'm not a huge Friends fan. Jamie okay. is a huge. She's seen, seen them all. I never was. So I don't mind if you say spoilers. It's not going to bother well, me. Well, I, I, I don't. I don't, I, don't, people, oh. I, don't, I don't think I need to talk about spoilers. I'm just going to say I enjoyed it. I know some people have sort of said that. What was that? I, I just thought it was very good. I liked the whole thing. I. I do feel though they could have been like a Zack Snyder or um, you know Peter Jackson extended cut 
of this because I could have watched that for like four, four or five hours personally. Um, I don't know about you, Martin. It, does it uh, do that thing where it's just a ton of cameos and 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 bit like funny bits from old episodes? Because I, I'm fine mm, with that kind of stuff for these not things. Yeah. They do talk about old episodes. They I think they might show a couple of clips. I can't remember now. And they have a couple of people coming on from. Uh, old episodes like cameo appearances like really short though like they're literally on the screen for like five ten seconds going hi i'm here uh, i'm a person i used to be on the show bye, <laughs> bye. So um, do, they, do they talk about it as just them as actors being on the show and they're talking about it, or is it them playing and and just are they actually re- they are doing the, a, a short they're, show? they're the actors talking about the show like their time on oh, the show so it's not them actually playing it's not like an episode of friends no, no. it's, it's, okay, it's, it's so, yeah it's a but reunion I, show yeah but i thought they did really well because it's not like they're just sitting in a studio talking to people about it they've got like different almost different sec i don't know i don't know how to explain it other than you see them doing different things like there's a bit where they're, they're on the sets like looking around the set talking about memories there there is a bit where they're sort of in an outdoor studio sort of being interviewed a little bit and then there's some other bits where they're doing table readings and stuff of like old old scenes and scripts like popular scenes um and it's just kind of interesting to see them doing the acting like now and stuff and uh, uh I, I i really enjoyed it uh yeah, I, f- I feel like there could be more. I feel like they, there's a lot they edited out as well that I, I want to see more of it. So yeah, I could have watched it. I could genuinely could have kept going for like at least another hour, maybe two hours, like watching that. You got me thinking, Graham, about what our reunion show is going to be like oh. in like twenty or thirty years from now. <laughs> um, Man, we're going to be talking about cats in the vent. I just know I, I, I'm going to have to go on a diet. I know that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Martin, very quickly, what did you think of it? Are you, are you, were you? I thought it was great. Different? I would definitely watch more more of that if they if they did uh, i know they said they're not this is the one only reunion show that they were going to do but i think it did feel like they had more content they just kind of uh parsed it down to two hours or whatever it was yeah. but yeah they thought they did a great job with it you, like you said it was built into segments so they reenacted some things from the show um they did a table reading of some pivotal episodes um and they had James Corden do an interview with them with the cast and there was an audience and they talked uh, and yeah it was I thought they did a really good job with it so yeah definitely satisfying because they didn't have to do it the people kept talking about it they not, they could have just ended it and not do anything but I thought that was nice of them to at least do something like yeah. this so what did you think of James Corden because here's the thing I remember like seeing on Twitter and stuff when they showed the the teaser trailer and James Corden's voice came on everyone was like really excited then like oh and then i heard james corden i was like oh why and stuff i'm like but i mean who would who else would, there's like it's not like friends is associated with a tv right well, people are just gonna bitch regardless <laughs> you're gonna see someone complain about that anyway but i figure like if you're gonna have a host you know you might as well just have him you know because he's yeah. one of the more popular late night hosts you know yeah. in, in the united states at least i don't know about the uk but he's never done any tv hosting over here really like it's not really right. his thing. he's just known as an actor like a comedian actor over here so he like got it he made it really big in america doing tv presenting and stuff so yeah it's carpool karaoke stuff yeah yeah um but yeah i was like i mean there probably there could be other tv presenters who might do just as good a job if not better but at the same time i was like really strong reaction against him like, wow like he does seem very popular. people need though. need a hug or something they need to go out for a walk they're yeah. they're too mad <laughs> yeah I, I don't know um but yeah, so yeah, Chris, let us know next time after you've watched it. Let us know what you think, and we can probably chat more about it. Maybe have some spoilers going on. Yeah. I'll tell you about it at our reunion show. I can't. Okay. On 20 years. <laughs> and, and 
sort of being on a roll with reunion stuff, I'm pretty sure, I, I can't remember if I've actually mentioned this on the show or not, but um, I've been listening quite heavily to Fake Doctor's Real Friends with Zach Braff and Donald Faison, um, a.k.a. Um, Turk and JD from Scrubs. And it's, I don't know if you guys know about this, sh- this podcast. Um, no, but I, I, I have seen it. Scrubs. So is that Chris? I said, I think I've heard about I've heard it, it or the show okay. or something. I yeah. know that it exists. It's basically available on anything. You can get podcasts on so Spotify, Apple Music, or whatever. But um, yeah, basically, it's um, Zach Raff and Donald Faison, and sometimes special guests from the show um, talking about specific episodes. Like, they're going, literally going through the whole series of Scrubs, um, like episode per episode, just talking about the episodes, but also giving like little backstories, little interesting tidbits about what it was like, how they, they they all got hired and stuff on the show. Um, it's really interesting, really funny as well. And it, and it sort of made me want to start watching Scrubs again. But there's some really fascinating stuff. Like one, they talk about how one of the episodes, which I think is their seventh episode or sixth episode or something, um, that basically they started filming at the start of the week. And then like, like on the Tuesday or Wednesday, 9-11 happened. And they were like, but, and because it was being filmed in um the um, in like california area um and 11 happened on the east coast they're like waking up at you know, like 3 4 a.m to like the, to get up to go to work and the news was on and zach was like zach this is zach's very first acting gig he'd never redone really proper acting before this is his first gig and he's like so he's got a new job and he's like He's like, he says, his initial reaction was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. What the, what the fuck? Oh my God, what's going on in the world? And then he suddenly, his suddenly next reaction was like, do I go to work today? Like, he's like, I've got a new job. Do I, would it be, if I don't turn up, <laughs> what, what, do I get fired? So he went to the studio and apparently like no one was there. There's like a couple of other people there and he just sat in his trainer. They all like, sat in his trainer watching ass, TV. Like, like <laughs> they're just like watching TV. Like, see, and then they got like a cool guy saying, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not shooting today. Go home. Um, and then they said that, like, so they had a few days off filming, but they had to kick it up again. They had to start filming. You know, life has to kiss or carry on. Um, and they said they they all noticed in the second half of the episode that they were all really low energy. Like, they were, like, they're saying how, like, their jokes didn't, they did, all, all their characters seemed off. Um, hmm. Because, but they sort of knew it. They stayed there, like, we're not sure if the audience has noticed this, but we felt it. We could see from... We can remember all the things that we were doing. Um, but yeah, it's like fascinating little things like that, little side stories and stuff. And like how, um, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm finding it fascinating. I think it's really good because I love Scrubs back in the day. Uh, so I, I, it's called Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach, Zach and Donald. Uh, yeah. I wish, they, I wish there were more actors that would do stuff like this because I would love to see something similar to that on Jericho. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah, the I'm show a... that came out. It only lasts like two and a half seasons or something yeah. like that. Or maybe two. Because yeah, I think I think the writer's strike happened. It kind of just went off the edge, basically, when the writer's they, strike happened. Well, they got cancelled and then the fans brought it back or you know, it would have uh, okay. they did the, that whole campaign. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool to bring it back and they, they've kind of finished it up. But there's it seemed like there was so much that was left untold in that story. And if if you guys never heard or watched Jericho is basically a these nuclear bombs went off all over uh, and EMPs uh, went off all over the United States and it follows this one small town in Jericho, Colorado and uh, um, Steve Ulrich is the uh, lead actor in that and it's really good. It's, it's, it's really, really yeah, good. I, I enjoyed it. it. 
in my head, the town's unaffected, isn't it? Like they just suddenly realize they've got no contact with the outside world or something. Like suddenly yeah, so, like, everything's gone down. Because they the the nuclear uh, strikes happened in all the major cities, so Denver was like the closest one to them, and they could see it all happen. And the EMP shut down like electricity nationwide. So you're right. They I think they there was some fallout that happened, and they had to like go, get undercover for a couple days, and that's how they explain that. But right. They were relative. You're right. They, there was no damage from like any of the bombs to the like infrastructure and stuff. So they were yeah. able to, to continue to surviving. But it was essentially a show about a small community just having to survive. Um, you know, like literally just having everything shut off and how do you survive and what you do and it it goes through all those things. I thought it was a really interesting, unique show. And going back to what you said originally, I think it would be a perfect thing for. Someone, I don't know who would be on the show. Maybe some of the directors, Skeet Ulrich, I don't know, um, yeah. who would want to be involved in something like that. But it would, could be cool. I would I would absolutely love for something like that to happen. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, oh, just one other just one other funny story from um, Fake Doctor's Real Friends was uh, Zach was explaining how, like, in one of the very first episodes, he has to kiss, um, I don't know if you know the character, Jordan, who plays Dr. Cox's ex-wife. And she's, like, a bit of a psycho bitch, kind of. Like, she's very funny. She's brilliant a character. Um but, they, but that is actually in real life um, the show creator's wife. Um, and he's like, this is the weirdest. He's like, he said, it's like one of my first jobs. It was the weirdest thing. Basically, I had to do the scene where I'm kissing my boss's wife in front of my boss for money. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, the, it's like the strangest he thing. He gave the green light, baby. He's like, <laughs> all right, go. Point, do you just go all in and just make it the most passionate <laughs> kiss you yeah. can or like to, to like, just like go or do you do you like pull back because it's your boss he's watching yeah. you make and, it uh, his wife and he said he said he said it was also quite intimidating because uh, i don't know if you know she was maxim's very first cover model and so she was like known as a model originally and then she became like she was on the drew, Car- drew, drew carey show as well uh before scrubs uh and yeah he was just like so he knew of her and she was like you know the super hot babe at the time or whatever. Um, and he was just like really intimidated by this whole thing, but he had to do it, you know? <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it's funny. And when she, she comes on the show at one point and she's talking, she basically keeps teasing him sort of saying, yeah, I keep saying to my husband, how I wish I'd spent more time on like kissing scenes with you and stuff. And like, he's like, <laughs> you can't say stuff like this. <laughs> uh, Sounds so like good. a hard, really hard life. Uh, yeah, poor guy. <laughs> <What's that crap? laughs> um, you seem uh, like a cool guy, though. It's yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. So it's 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 really they both seem like really nice guys. Love to hang out with both of them, basically. Um, oh god. So ah, oh, I'll go. I'll talk about some other couple of things. Uh, does anyone know who Andy Weir is, the author of The Martian? Mm-mm. Do you know the hit no. book and movie The Martian? I've seen The Martian movie it's yeah. the same thing yes uh, yes. with um i've just got his name liam neeson not liam neeson other no. famous actor <laughs> um god damn it what my i've just like it's matt damon. mark Wahlberg. Matt, matt damon, damon. Matt, thank you matt damon uh, <laughs> i don't know why i was thinking mark yeah. Wahlberg. so yeah um he wrote <laughs> the book he wrote the book the martian i love the martian the movie is one of my, it's actually one of my favorite sci-fi movies and I love the book as well. Book even more. The book is one of my favorite books. But I read, I read, I read one and a half of his other books. He's only done like three or four books. Um, one of them's called Armitis, which is set on the moon. 
and it's fantastic. Mm. It's about like this moon base that's been established and it follows this girl who, um, she, um, I don't really know how to explain it other than she's in her teenage years. She's a bit of a naughty person. Like she wasn't like violent or anything, but she got into trouble, like, you know, shenanigans, and she's trying Which to is a Harry Potter book. Is it similar to the, the Harry Potter book when he's an asshole? <laughs> well, book, was that book five? I think he's a bit of a dick. Was that, was that Prince of Azkaban when he was just a dick the entire time? I, just, I, 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 think, I, hated I think it's Order of the Phoenix, the fifth book. He was just a okay. bit of a douche. He's like always complaining about stuff and getting upset. It's like, calm down. God damn it. <laughs> Who was complaining in Order of the Phoenix? Ha- Harry. Harry. Harry's like... He, was, he went full emo in that one. Yeah, he did. Oh. You don't remember? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And because of him, he got Please serious. Please tell me about your new book. I'm sorry. Sorry. Okay. No. Um. Yeah. He, she, from the sounds of it, she was just a bit na- more. Na- she was a bit naughty, less of an emo, just a, just a bit of a rebel. But you know, she kept getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. Um. Anyway, it sort of follows on her the on the moon. Yeah. So there's a whole there's a whole space there's station the wrong thing. Wrong crowd on, on the moon. That's crazy. A, there is the wrong crowd on the moon. But it's really interesting. And basically, she then gets hired to sabotage this like these um this in, industri- industrial industrial like mining corporation on the moon she's gonna get paid like a million credits to do this and then it's all about her working out how to do it but those more stuff goes wrong and it's fantastic i love it it's such a good it's really entertaining book it's very funny as well as the thing but it's also a lot of it's got a lot of science in it which is all basically accurate because the, the author is actually a scientific engineer and he like knows all about space stuff and everything like that. And he like knows like he knows his shit. So a bit like the Martian, because technically the Martian, everything that happened in the Martian apparently can physically happen. Like it is plausible. If if all those events happened, the stuff he could do like my like you know, uh, growing potatoes and stuff in theory could work on like Mars and stuff. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I finished that book and immediately I was like, I want to I want to read another one. And there's another book I'm reading called Hail Mary, also by the same guy. Um, and this one's a bit different it's about a dude who wakes up on a spaceship no memory of where he is or or who he is um but he very this is just on the blurb on the back of the book he basically very quickly finds out that he is there to save the earth but he's no longer in our galaxy basically he's he's like and he's just got to try and piece together what the fuck's going on and it's fascinating it's brilliant uh so yeah Definitely check that out. I will say, Greg, I want to ask if you've seen For All Mankind on Apple TV. I don't have Apple TV, or uh, I've never heard of that. So you can you can watch the first few episodes for free. Uh, I, and, okay. And so if well, you just install it on your Chrome or whatever, um, you watch it. But it it goes. It does a lot of uh, like alternate, like future fiction, uh, where it's essentially begins during the space race between the United States and the Soviet Union. And kind of the twist is like, what would have happened if the Soviet Union actually landed on the moon before the United States? And so the space race continues to keep going and it's, they end up putting like moon bases and stuff on there. (laughs) It's it's wild as shit. Okay. It's really neat, but they stay a lot more as they do some really neat stuff out on the moon. They do some really cool stuff at NASA too. And there's lots of, just yeah. personality and it, it goes into that whole stuff. It's just, you know, it's really good. So if you're looking for something that is kind of along those lines, maybe, but um, it's an actual show. Okay. Let's see if I can do that. Yeah. That's cool. I don't know how the science is behind all this stuff, but right. it's actually done really, really well. And there's some really good actors involved. So cool. Ah, uh, okay. Um, 
one other thing, I'm actually going to share my screen because uh, I'm going to have a little trailer going on in the background, which is going to be muted. Um, I watched this is a, this is the trailer for um, Army of the Dead. Have you guys either seen or heard of this at all? I floated the idea of playing it this week, but I I, I did not click play on Netflix. But okay. I do plan on so potentially watching it. Just in the background, maybe. I'm going to have this playing. So this is these shouldn't have any spoilers. This is a trailer, so it's like, it's like what you'd see if you went to Netflix. Basically, what pops up. But basically, if you don't know about this, it's a Netflix movie called Army of the Dead. It stars Dave Bautista from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He plays Drax. Uh, one other one other actor I recognised was Theo Rossi, who plays Shades in Luke Cage, also on Netflix. Um, but all the other actors, I kind of recognise them, but I don't know who they are. Um, so it's a zombie movie, uh, basically about a zombie kind of mini apocalypse has happened in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is now a bordered-off city. Um, and it's about this team of like sort of mercenaries who are sent in there uh, for a reason. Um, and you know, but the it's there's a bit of a twist in that the zombies aren't like normal sort of like walking dead style zombies like Whoa. they've actually kind of got their own little civilization going on and they're actually kind of intelligent um and this movie is both brilliant and bloody annoying because it's it's like a really good fresh take on the zombie job i thought it's fantastic like the general concept was like this is fantastic i love it but They've included so many annoying stereotypes and tropes that ruin the experience for me. Um, and it's just like, oh my God, like there's like one little bit at like, one point where they mention something and it's actually kind of a cool idea. I was like, oh my God, that's going to be so awesome. Like, Cause I was just thinking later in the movie, this thing is going to come back and they never mentioned it again. And I was like, what? That's I don't annoying. know. I don't know if I should mention it though. Cause I don't want, I don't really want to spoil. It's not really a plot point, but it's just something. I, I won't you mention, mention it. Won't, it. Should I mention it? I don't know. Yeah, mention it. Yeah, so it's ahead. not it's not a key plot point or anything. But there's a That's there's fine. a bit there's a bit where you see like some dead bodies who are basically zombies who are just like dried up because it's because it's obviously really hot in the desert and stuff. Um, right. And like they're kind of dried up, and this 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 woman who like knows the area is sort of basically like, yeah, you should see when it rains because they come back to life. And I was like, oh, that's going to be sweet later on. And yeah, nothing happened. They're, they're never mentioned again, not even coming up. They don't even look at them again. It's just like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but then they had like... They, had, you know, they said that there's no Snyder cut to this one, but... Uh, God damn it. Yeah, right, this to. directed by oh, yeah, Snack Snyder. This is made yeah. by Snack Snyder, yeah. Um, and... Um, there's, there's loads of bits that annoy me that always happens in like, even in like Walking Dead and other zombie movies where someone gets killed or people get killed where they could easily been saved and like the whole team's just like watching them. They've all got guns and stuff. And it's like, they could have easily just shot the zombies and got them off the person, but the person dies. I'm just like, God damn it. And then there's that other zombie things. Tiger's pretty cool. Yeah. The zombie tiger is cool. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, they did so many things wrong. So many things right. I, and so many things wrong. It's, no, it's not I, a good say, movie. I thought, but, David Tisa did a, a, a decent role playing a, a lead character. Right, yeah, um, he did. Botox he did. too. He got some Botox done. He got some work that, done. That's what that's what Batista looks like. I think he got Botox in his oh, face. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, just an observation. Yeah. Up there, um, but, um, so have you no, seen he, this? I Chris? thought he did a good job. Overall, I just didn't think the characters, the actors, were very likable, and hmm. uh, I just I didn't really care that much about them. I I, I agree with the points you made though to Graham. I yeah. watched the red letter media of video on it and it was hilarious. Like okay. all the stuff. And they, they, they break down some stuff that I didn't even realize. Like 
they the helicopter pilot they had to go back and reshoot all of her scenes because oh. that actor was originally oh man I forget his name he's a comedian he got caught in the whole speaking out movement and oh. what Louis C.K. It wasn't Louis C.K. It was um, it was it was an actor. Zach was Zach Zach, Zach Braff. No I'm kidding. googling. Man, and what's crazy is it Chris Delia? Maybe was it Chris Delia? Uh, I, I don't want to say that and then put that out there and it's not him. Uh, <laughs> I think I mean, he was originally Tig, Tig, no, Tara? Oh no, Chris. Wait, yeah, sorry. So it, uh, it, I'm right. Tig is the actress who played that the right. helicopter pilot. Chris, yeah, Chris Delia facing consequences or something. I just this just came yeah. up on like a Google search. Just did. So uh, he he got oh sexual know. harassment allegations. Yeah, okay. So at some point during this, and I don't even remember it happening because I wasn't really paying attention to the production of this movie um, at all. He was replaced at some point, and they had to go back and reshoot all of those scenes with that character, but they used the new actress, and uh, they had to reshoot all in a green screen. So if you go back and watch it now, it's you, it's, you can tell, but oh. I think they do a pretty good job of integrating everything together, yeah. and I didn't notice it at all, and so that's, I mean... I walked. say I watched the whole movie. I didn't didn't notice it. But then when you go back and watch it again, you can kind of see some parts. Red Letter Media do a good job of breaking some of that stuff down, uh, and they're they're funny anyway. But yeah, um, and, yeah I mean, it was uh, a fun movie. I guess is a, a summer. What I mean, <laughs> it's fun. Okay, here's the thing. It's fun. There's some good comedy moments. It's a good if you if you want to mind a zombie action movie, watch it. I'm not going to say don't watch it. Cause I actually did enjoy it. But I thought it could have it could have been like a ten or eleven, basically. But it I ended know, up being I, like a seven, I'd say roughly, like or six, six or seven. So worth a watch. It's on Netflix. You know, if you've got subscribing to Netflix already, watch it. You know, you're not going to pay anything. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, man. Yeah, I, I was thinking this could have been so much better. Um, like just so many movie tropes they just kept doing, and it's just like, god damn it, this you just ruined. So they are going to be doing. I think there's a sequel in the works. It's going to be a. Uh, okay. a anime or something and oh, they're doing okay. a prequel movie that's going to be directed by the actor who played the locksmithy the the oh, safe guy the the, so, well, the the german guy the german guy yes yeah, he was he's good. he was pretty good i love him yeah so he was good <laughs> yeah uh, and that, a, that, that's the thing the character i don't know about basing all... the whole movie around him okay but that could I, be fun i liked it i actually liked Okay, I was about to say I like all the characters. I didn't like all the characters. There were a handful of characters I did genuinely like. I thought they were actually quite cool. Um, but yeah, there's some of them were a bit just generic and like, yeah. And there's also a couple of bits which made no sense. Like they were, there's. I'm not going to explain it because I don't want to ruin the plot. But there's a bit where some people said that they're going to do something, and they're suddenly in a completely different place, which was like technically miles away, like. A, I have to talk to Chris offline on this on this one, but I was just like, "How did they get there? Because that was really far away, really dangerous to get to right in the spot." And I was just like, "This makes no sense now." But, but, okay, anyway, but yeah, so that is, uh, yeah, that's that's the movie I watched. I'm gonna say watch it if you if you're into that sort of thing. But yeah, I was interested to hear other people's opinions to be honest, because yeah, it's it's, it's it's torn. I'm torn. I'm torn as to if I enjoyed myself enough or whatever. But. Yeah, I think I'll uh, watch it. Maybe I'll yeah, watch it. Yeah, please watch it. Please have a watch. Um, so a couple of other bits. Um, very, very quick. I'll go through these. 
Um, some fun, some fun little pickups I got for myself. So I picked up um, a stream deck. <gasps> so I've actually got it luck working, and that's what I've been using today to go through all our animation stuff, like the intro and stuff. So if I want to, I can play the intro right now. I did turn it off again. It Don't worry. It's okay. I just <laughs> pressed oh, it on. And I off. see it. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's it's a bit of fun. Um, uh, well, it's actually very handy. It's actually made it a lot easier for me to click on the intro and stuff. Otherwise, it's very fiddly using my mouse to do all that stuff. So very oh, happy yeah. with it so far. Check it out. This is the standard size one. You can get a smaller one, which I think's only got like six buttons or something. And then you get a big one, which has got 32 buttons. But you can you can set it up so that you can have folders and stuff. So you can open a folder with different buttons in if you... So if you, there's no enough space on here, you can... It's all completely... 100% customizable. You can even put your own like graphics on there as well, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm actually very impressed with it. It just, it just works basically. Um, another thing I've um, gone and done, which we spoke about, and it's, it's this show that, that made me do this as well. Um, have you heard, guys heard of a pie packer? Mm-hmm. Which sounds a bit dodgy, actually. I've just said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, You're muted, Chris. Oh, Chris, did you, you say something? An immature joke. I was joke. just saying, I was just, I just, I was thinking out loud. I, I didn't say anything. You were just loud. thinking out loud. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> this is, so I'm just actually just sharing the screen with the PyPacker website on it. Uh, basically, what it is, it allows you, it's like a little device that essentially allows you to play games legally online with people around the world. So I can play a co-op game with Chris and Martin. Um, like if from, from my house, but it's like a, like a, but for games that old retro games that don't have online co-op, basically, if that makes sense, kind of like what, um, Parsec does, but this is a bit technically a little bit more legit, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, like yeah. Parsec, you kind of use emulation. Well, most people use emulators and stuff. This is using a device. You can actually use original cartridges for like, uh, Mega Drive and Genesis, Super Nintendo, NES, mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance. Um, but you could, I, th- I believe there's a way you can also download other games as well and stuff. They, they talk about other games you can download. Uh, I think they talk about there's a PlayStation attachment as well. So you can play PlayStation games. Um, but it's on Kickstarter and I think it was Scotty. And for some reason, I feel like Chris, you were talking about it at one point, unless I got that wrong. But you I think guys I might have talked about it because one of uh, one of the writers, I, I, I don't remember who wrote it, but we did cover it on the website. So yeah, yeah you can. Have one person have the cartridge, and then other two or three people can play that game uh, remotely online. Yeah, with with the person having the car- cartridge, and like it's a legitimate way you can play it. So yeah, and I'm so they just need a USB controller or something. Yeah, basically any if it, it basically says any is a joke on like the website about if it, if it's a controller that works, it'll work on this basically. So how got, like, does someone that doesn't have the game do they have to install like some sort of application or something? I believe yeah, like so this can run through Chrome and stuff, Chrome and Edge. Um, it's an attack. It's like an extension or something. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, basically you can just power it up um, through Edge. And I think like I for example when I got my unit, I could send you guys an invite. And then you guys just like sort of log on and play basically. So um, this could be something. If this works, Graham, did you do you have this in hand yet? I don't have it in hand yet, but I I got basically I've got my confirmation from Kickstarter to okay. give my address for them to ship it to me. So it should hopefully be here at some point. So th- th- yeah, eventually. Um, eventually. When you get this, 
thing. We have to test it out because if this works right, this could be be really big for some plans that I have for future shows. Ooh. What we could potentially do. Yes, that's powered good. by the pie packer, baby. Pie packer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've I've actually that's got. So I backed on Kickstarter, and um, I, I've I've got all the 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 all the attachments they've got at the moment. I've, I've managed to pick up as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm quite interested in this. Uh, I love that you you throw your money at some crazy shit like this, Graham. Yeah, it might be it's... one of my favorite uh, <laughs> traits about you. I love it. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> you do it too, Chris. Oh, I do it all the time. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I think that's why I've gravitated towards Graham. I just, I just like to Birds of a feather. Purchase. <laughs> um, oh, unlimited save slots, HD graphics, rewind power, early access. Um, so yeah, um, although I've got a weird problem with my... So apparently I should be able to access it now because I'm a Kickstarter backer, but I've got a weird problem. I can't seem to log in, so I need to find out what's going on with that. Because I tried it earlier and it wasn't there. You're a Kickstarter packer is what you are. I'm a, I'm a Kickstarter packer. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's one of the cool things I got. And just a very quick shout out to KC from Radio Sega because a few weeks ago I was on... Uh, the Sega Lounge's seventh anniversary Sega quiz that they did. And Casey was the host. It was a very funny quiz. We, we spoke about it uh, a couple of weeks back. But he sent me uh, these Sonic the Hedgehog 30th anniversary pin badge things. Oh, nice. Uh, which is really nice. Thanks, buddy. Really cool. Really nice of him. He basically sent one to all, all the people who um, went on the show. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, man. He is very, very much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Do it. Um, you? No, we. This is a collective. Yeah. We're doing this together. You gotta send out some swag. <laughs> send out some 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 gifts and stuff. Yeah, I think we should. Oh, but yeah, no, that's awesome. Thanks, thanks a lot. Um, but oh, annoyingly, I did have the link all up earlier, and I don't have it here right now because I was going to send the link in the chat so people can go and check out the show. But yeah, radiosnigger.net uh, is where there's there's still on there. Yeah. Right? Uh, this for the specific sh- the specific episode uh oh god sorry one second i can do this I'm i was quickly. supposed to be on that show with you but i think that might have been the time when i hurt my back or something and yes yeah, so, some I, reason you couldn't join in the end um i was um because i mean you, i was in hate us. Place <laughs> so i'm actually I using, hate you. <laughs> i'm dropping it in the in the discord chat so discord check that out that episode is a very fun sega quiz um there were we were a team based different sega sites basically there um like dreamcast junkyard um shemu dojo um the sega guys podcast they were there as well it's, it's a very funny quiz uh so big props to casey for organizing that and everything it's awesome um so yeah anyway that's it for my week basically uh sorry i went on probably longer than i anticipated but uh yeah um so with that do we need a break or are we happy to plow through what are we thinking um i'm fine with keeping on pie packing if you want to let's keep going I mean, you know, we can, I can keep packing this pie. I might yeah, go grab good. a coffee while we're talking, but yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Can you take us with you? What? Uh, get a coffee? The coffee, the coffee? I'll take no sugar. To the kitchen? Bar, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. You, I guess. It's been... Martin, no, you're, you're, you're relieved. You can, you can walk away and go and get a coffee. Um, but we will move on to our mini feature discussion, which is all about Sega turning 61. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's 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 been a it's been a couple of crazy years because um, if you don't know, Sega turned sixty last year, 
which wasn't as big an event as it might have been because of the whole COVID thing. Sega did celebrate online and make some announcements and stuff, which was awesome. Um, but now we've kind of all got used to sort of lockdown lifestyle. Um, Sega made a bit of more of a bit of a splash with um, this one, talking more about it. Um, so Sega has turned 61 this year, and they put out a lovely uh, tweet, actually. Let's, uh, let's bring up the screen again. There we go. Um, let's do it. I like, so I like the is- visuals, Graham. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. So, um, yeah, so Sega's put out a big tweet, uh, basically saying uh, it was founded 61 years ago on June 3rd, 1960. Um, this is all translated in Twitter, by the way. They put it in Japanese originally. Um, so uh, forgive any dodgy um, translations. But, yeah, June 3rd, Sega's 61st birthday. So this was a few days ago now. Uh, three days ago, in fact, at the time of recording. Um, yeah. And they put out, like, a fun little balloon thing going on there like uh to show what was happening um so yeah 61 years 61 years of sega that's um pretty it's it's, it's impressive um and so we're not going to make the whole show about it because we do a lot of shows where we talk about sega and how much we love it we're talking a little bit about sega but um just a just a mini history i wanted to go through chris do, do you think do you think that's a good idea or yeah let's do it I, I wanna i wanna uh, i'm sure there's something i'll learn yeah because so. here's the thing a lot of people don't sort of always know the history of sega it's very much seen as and, and it is these days it's a japanese uh, video game company but that's not how it started at all so if you don't know about it, it so technically the origin roots of sega started before um, 1960 it's back in 1946 after world war one um the company there was a pre- um the uh Company founders, uh, Martin Bromley, Irvin Bromberg, and James Humpert had previously started a different company, which they then sold. And in 1946, they started another company, um, which was making, this was to do with um, arcade distri- and uh, slot machine machines um, distribution called Service Games, which is where the acronym SEGA comes from, Service Games, SEGA. Um, and, um, but that acronym wasn't first news, the abbreviation for Sega wasn't first used until 1954. So still, six years before Sega was officially founded, um, they used um, the the word Sega on a slot machine called the Diamond Star. Um, so um, and that the so service games they made or they distributed uh, arcade and slot machines for use in military bases around the world. And so yeah, if you worked in the air force or navy or whatever you on the the bases and stuff you you could find these arcade and slot machines and stuff because it was seen during world war ii that um they needed to have you know a bit of a reprieve from fighting and things like that which is you know fun idea great idea um but then then a few years later so six years later or as i said on june the 3rd 1960 sega inc was officially formed um and so again, still sort of distributing slot machines and um, sort of arcade machines around the world, uh, mostly in the Japanese market, I believe. At this point, um, there's a there's a bit of a thing going on in the Western side of the world. That's what kind of why Sega was kind of formed. Um, so they distributed slot machines, pinball machines, and gun machines. Most of the gun game machines are actually from Midway. Um, so and and. Um, on the founding of Sega in 1960, they moved away from the military-based stuff and they're actually going into proper arcade and amusement venues. So that was more of a step into a proper, the arcade world, as it were, like for the, more of the public in a way. Um, and it's at this point that the company, so Sega actually didn't make these machines at all, by the way. They just distribu- distributed right, them. Yeah. Um, 
and they found themselves replacing parts so often that they started to make their own parts because it was cheaper. So they started making things like the guns and the flippers for pinball machines and things like that. Um, and then eventually they got to the point like, why don't we just make our own machines? Um, and, um, and it wasn't until 1966 that Sega actually produced their very first um, cabinet, which was for a game called Periscope. Um, but there were interesting facts. And I didn't realize this until today when I was doing a bit of research. Periscope wasn't originally made by Sega. I don't know if you know that at all, Chris. Um, it was made by Namco in 1965 the game was originally called torpedo launcher but on its launch it was t- uh, renamed periscope and it was published by namco but one year later sega um looked at the cabinet and they decided to modify the cabinet and they basically created their own version of it which added support for three players um but it was a huge cabinet basically and um when, when sega was looking to distribute it around the world they realized they needed to make a, a much smaller version so they went it back to a single player version but was still different upgrades that sega created um and yeah so that way they could afford to produce it around the world and sega is said to be uh one of the first uh sorry periscope was said to be one of the first widely manufactured arcade machines that had the price of 25 cents or a quarter to play um and that was actually a decision made by sega to because the initial cost of it like people were paying to play it was actually too low and people weren't making their money back. Like the arcade, the arcade owners weren't making money back. So they said, charge 25 cents, make a bit of a profit. And at the time that was seen as a premium product. Um, but it works and it became like a big thing. Um, and then, okay. And here's the thing. You might think, um, that Sega has been making video games since then. No, they didn't make a video game, at least an arcade video game until 1973. Because games like Periscope were electromechanical games. So they didn't actually have a video screen in them. They weren't video games. So it wasn't until 1973 when they created their own version of Pong, <laughs> the arcade classic. They invented a version of Pong called Pong Tron, which they released exclusively in Japan. Um, it had some different uh, adjustments to the, the, uh, the, the Atari version of Pong, but it was, it was a very similar game. Um, but yeah, that was their very first game. Thought, they'll never know. No one yeah, will ever well, know we released this I, over here. I believe, I believe they actually, the thing about this is the crazy thing about reading some of this research. A lot of these um, uh, arcade um, companies and stuff, they didn't seem to care about the licensing. They would actually they'd literally give Sega a license for stuff and, and things like that, like what happened with Periscope. Um, like the, the the inventor and Namco who made it in like an interview, he was like, "I'm pretty sure I gave Sega the rights to it." Yeah, that sort of happened all the time, sort of thing. So it's just that's like, funny. I mean, yeah, back then though, too, there was there was like a guy that's making a game, you know. Mm. So it's you know that that kind of happened could happen yeah. with these companies. It's crazy. Small and, and early yeah. in the industry. I mean, even in the early '90s and all that kind of stuff, it's not like it was like studios like Ubisoft, like right now, like before it was also like you know. 20, 50 people working on some games. Yeah. It, it's, in the 80s it's, and 90s. It's, it's crazy, yeah. Um, but it's, it's also funny because, yeah, back then as well, this has come up a few times about Sega, it's not the company who actually owns the game and stuff, it's actually the person within the company who made that game. So there's been things with you know some Sega franchises which are really old where Sega doesn't seem to own the full rights. They, they have to speak to the original creator to like get things republished and stuff. It's, it's madness. Um, even though another company could publish it without Sega's permission, Sega would still have to get permission internally from that person to 
make a game again. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they made their own version of Pong in Japan. That was their very first uh, actual arcade video game. Um, and then it wasn't for like nearly uh, another 10 years later, um, in 1983, where Sega finally entered the video game market, which is kind of how most household people know them as today, which was they released the... And do you guys know the answer to this? What was the console they first released? The SG-1000. Thank you. There you go. Yes. Yeah. 100. It was the SG-1000 <laughs> in Japan, um, which was the forerunner to the, the Sega Master System, which was basically the Sega Master System was the uh, almost like a modified version, which they released in the West. Um, there was the Model 2 of the SG-1000 as well. that came out before yes. what, um, like the Mark III. Um, yeah. I own, I, I have the, the, um, the second model, but I wanted to get my hands on the original SU-1000. I think it looks so cute. It almost looks like a toy. It's a, <laughs> it's such a cute design system. Yeah. And I love so it. Cool. Uh, yeah. There's also, what? there is the, there's a, a keyboard version. Um, I, I forget what that one was called, but, um, I always want to get my hands on that one too, but, it, uh, just from a collector standpoint, I think it'd be kind of neat. What yeah, was your absolutely. first console, though, from Sega? Was it the Genesis or the Mega Drive? Or did you guys get the Master System? Mine was the Sega first. Game Gear. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mine was Genesis. Yeah, yeah, so was mine. But I think I got Model 2. I didn't get the original Genesis. I think I didn't get my Master System until after I had a Sega Saturn. And I didn't get my Sega Saturn until after the N64, so I had a crazy way of getting all my Sega consoles. All the um, Model 2 Genesis shipped with the six-button controller, right? Wasn't it only the Model so. 1 that shipped with a three-button? I don't know, because my friend had the Mega Drive 2, which is the same as Genesis 2, right. and I remember him getting Street Fighter 2, and he only had a three-button controller when he first got it. That was the worst. It was yeah, worst. See, it, you had to press the start button to, to Yeah, you couldn't pause the game. It was nuts. You just had to so press dumb. start to so yeah. Um yeah, with the original controller, controller some third party controller. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Mad Cats, but that doesn't sound right. But yeah, the or third party controller had six buttons. Mm. I think the, the the first one we had 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 the three. Um but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was and great. yeah, that was my first console. And then my cousin had a Saturn and then we went over and played the Saturn. I don't know what game he was playing. It was like some kind of skeleton game. Maybe it was Mr. Bones. I don't know. But, oh. yeah, I remember playing that pretty vividly. Okay, nice. Um, and just the final, the final thing in my little mini history lesson there is that uh, I'm not going to go into all their details, but basically, if you don't know, Sega was known for making game, video games, home video games and consoles up until 2001 when they had to cease production of the Sega Dreamcast and they became a third-party software developer. And that's how they're known as now, basically. So, yeah, they had commercial successes and failures all over the place. And sadly, they don't make the systems anymore, but we're still enjoying the games, most of them, kind of. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. they, they still make good games. Like they're making games. good games. I think, I, mean, yeah. I, I think most of the games they put out nowadays, I, th I think Sega today uh, is, is a lot more cautious in what, games that they're going to develop internally and really put a lot of money yeah. behind. And I mean, this isn't, this isn't to be surprised. I mean, Sega said this like 10 years ago that they were going to focus on several of like their, their franchise, uh, you know, uh, IPs and focus on that. That's really what they've been doing. You see mm -hmm. with the Yakuza games and that's so big now. Um, but yeah, I will say, I think they did a great job in terms of like, if we're looking at like their, their, 
their entire history, uh, and then we're analyzing the last six or seven years, I think they did a tremendous job uh, making themselves more of a well-known and, and popular publisher uh, then, like around between like two thousand five and ten, I think now this era is much better than than that era, just because of the things you mentioned with Yakuza, and then the, all these studios that, that they've acquired that are also releasing awesome games, like the Two Point series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've licensed out their IPs, then made games like Street of Rage Four. Um, they remastered Shenmue. They allowed Shenmue three to come out. The, we talked about Virtua Fighter already. Um, just, just uh, and you know their real time strategy games and all that stuff. I think they they've done a great job at, at making a mark and and you know actually being viable for you know another ten twenty years. I think that they're they're pretty well off right now. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think I think there's a lot of especially old school fans, like some of the people like us, like who grew up with Sega, where we kind of do miss some of the slightly more wackier games that they used to make, the ones that are sort of bright and colorful, because a lot of their games aren't so much anymore these days. Um, but you're right, they are in a very good position at the moment. The games they are making are very good, very solid. Um, yeah, they have their, their occasional misses, but generally they seem to be catering for specific audiences now, uh, whereas before I feel like it's just more like a, random stuff some some of the time it just felt quite random um like nights and stuff like that was so bizarre back in the day even that it's like who the hell would play this but people loved it but it's sort of shown with some of the more recent um games that they pushed out where they did try to go a bit bit out there those games weren't successful these days whereas the games are doing now very focused they've got their they've got their little, little niche markets they've carved out and they're actually doing very well with them um yeah that makes sense I mean, we've I also got sense. hardware, like the first official hardware from Sega in a number of years with the, um, you know, the Genesis release. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some more of those hardware coming down the pike. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Get the minis. Ho- hopefully the minis we'll have a Dreamcast it, yeah. mini one day. That's, that's, I think that's what everyone wants. But if that will happen, Saturn yeah. Mini is the one I truly want. I um, want yes. Saturn uh, if they could do yeah. a Saturn Mini with Pants Dragoon Saga. There's just so many games in the library that have been like exclusive to that console that I think would be great if we had the opportunity to play it, you know, on a regular TV that doesn't require 50 peripherals to plug in. (laughs) Yeah. Work. Uh, It's yeah. You have to buy a battery from Mars to. Oh God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To get it to run on Channel Two or HDMI Three or whatever. But yeah, I think uh in terms of i think a lot of people kind of miss that that structure of um there were two or three gaming companies and they were all competing and then they had their set of exclusive games and you know their strategies and all that kind of stuff but that's just not really the world that we live in yeah. now you know like there's so many other competitors and like the the video game market has expanded and exploded in the past 10 or 15 years um, yeah. I mean, like it, it is like a multi-billion-dollar industry, and there's so many niche markets and developers and all that kind of stuff. Like, like it, a lot of people in their minds thought of like these big three gaming companies, but now there's like hundreds of, of yeah. people who are competing. You know, and, and other people that aren't normal video game companies like Amazon or Google and Apple, they're all you know technically part of that video game market as well they have their own streaming services and devices and 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole new world in twenty twenty one. But I I do think Sega's in a good position right now uh, and doing what what they're doing best, which is making their games. Um, but again, like we we would like for them to take advantage of some of the properties that haven't been used in a while. I think that that's something that they're currently working on. And you mm-hmm. can't expect them to release them all at once. And I think there's definitely talks and plans. Um, I think. Kind of adding on to what you're saying, one of the cool, and you're seeing more of this, is them working with smaller third-party developers. And maybe it started with Sonic Mania, uh, but it, look what happened with Streets of Rage, and you know, we're going to hopefully continue to get more of these type of deals. I would love to see that. I think that's a, a really interesting uh, change that Sega has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that gives them, I think, a, a better uh, way to approach uh their back catalog of ips uh, because i i don't know if they internally if they have studios set up to be able to just take on these kind of projects uh i don't think they have anyone, any, anyone ready to go to do that so they're working with these smaller companies where they can outsource a lot of that stuff and it's cheaper yeah uh, and and the results have been great they really have up to this point i think i, I know panzer dragoon uh the first one had some some a little bit of some issues there but I think that ironed them out over the over yeah, the yeah they released an update which sort of and stuff. yeah um but so yeah i just think quality wise these releases even though they're not first party sega games it seems like quality wise they're good and it seems to be selling yeah. pretty well i hope to see them continue that yeah and it seems it seems like as you say it's quite a good strategy because it seems like because sega's not technically publishing or developing these games themselves they've sort of got their name to it because they own the ip but it's not on their time or their schedule because like big publishing houses they have release schedules and stuff if a game's not released within a certain time window they sort of have to push the developers to try and do it whereas these smaller studios seem to have that little bit more freedom and stuff so they have and they've got passionate people behind it who want to make the best games so they do seem to put that extra effort and a little bit more time into it perhaps um or they can dedicate more of their time focus more of their time to do this and that's why they're coming up with really like the wonder boy um like um like dragon's trap it was phenomenal i thought it was such a good game like such a good remaster of the game um and all, all that stuff it's it's been, and streets of rage yeah streets of rage 4 it was fantastic so the new asha is, is a fantastic ooh, game too. yes yeah um i haven't played that yet it's actually out now i feel like i've missed the yeah i missed the launch day then screw it Damn mm-hmm. it. um but yeah no, I'm, i gotta I, review I'm, up baby um, <laughs> i missed that as well sorry i must have been working too busy i've been busy with work lately it's been crazy but um you're fine you're fine Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah i need okay. to i need to get on that and download it um because that's the game that we all play but, but yeah, it seems to be working out for Sega in that way. And that was, respect. Well, I, I think like, like, I think basically if, if you have a studio that has the ability to make a game great, I don't think, I don't need the name Sega stamped on it. You know, if you mm. can make a great Streets of Rage game, which they did, they made a great Streets of Rage sequel and, you know, they're releasing the DLC and, you know, the new characters and whatnot. And people look like they're, uh, they're, they're positive about like the the new content that they release, even if like maybe Mr. X isn't really uh, necessarily original. Maybe they were expecting a, a different villain or whatever. But I, I, I like I said, I think as long if they have the ability to to send it out to another developer that can make it good, then let it be. Like I, I and I, and if they do a good job, then that's 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 the strategy they should go with because. It doesn't have to be Sega, you know, necessarily to make a good Streets of Rage four game, as it has been, you know, proven. Um, so yeah, if if they have the ability to do that for other IPs, 
do it. You know, yeah, I think definitely. I think that's a good strategy if if they know how to handle that specific IP. Yeah, I want to, I want to ask you guys uh, something. Like twenty twenty years ago, maybe thirty years ago, um, but let's let's start twenty years ago. If they would have said, asked you then, well, in twenty years, do you think Sega's still going to be around making video games? What would you have said? So this would have been if we were twenty years ago. This would have been early two thousand. This would have been right. This when, would have been when Dreamcast failed. Yeah, this would have been right yeah. around the time where, like, we're right after. I don't, man, I have to go back and look. So, what do you think the future of Sega? If someone would have asked you then, like in twenty years, we're right on the cusp of Sega, you know, discontinuing the Dreamcast. Where do you think they would be in twenty years? What do you think you guys would? I know that's kind of a weird question because we know the answer, but. Uh, well, how would you that. how would you put yourself back then? Like, how would you foresee them going? Because I know my answer. I, I I completely distinctly remember what I thought was going to happen. I wrote about <laughs> it in the forums on the Sega forums back. Oh then. yeah, God, I, re- I remember you asking that. I can't remember what you wrote though. Um, damn, I'm I think, I think they would just sell off the, the Sonic IP or something. Like, if they were just going to sell off the company, maybe Nintendo or or another. You know, developer or publisher would would take their intellectual property and make the the games for them. But I don't know. I I, I think like it, it, around that time, like I wasn't thinking about it too much. But I guess if I was like w- my current self in two thousand one, I think it would be uh, uncertainty. I mean, like I, I guess they would just keep making the games that are bringing them some kind of money, which was Sonic at the time. Um, and I know there were those ongoing conversations with them in Microsoft and they partnered together, uh, on the Dreamcast, uh, with the online stuff and then they created the Xbox. So I don't know. And, and there's still ongoing rumors of Microsoft purchasing, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sega. Uh, that would be the longest thinking... flirtation ever. <laughs> 20 years later, they finally buy them. Yeah. I mean, we really well, thought that was going to happen. After yeah. the Dreamcast, see, see, this, yeah, this is that—that's what my answer was going to be. Like thinking back to where I was at then and stuff, and what I what I'd read about, I genuinely thought, I think, at the time that Sega and Microsoft were going to work on an Xbox together or something. Like the next, the next thing was going to be a Sega Microsoft team, almost like Sega, Sega said that we're not going to make any consoles on our own, but then Microsoft were going to go, "Hey, help us make the next one," because Microsoft was still. I guess with the original Xbox, they didn't struggle as such. It didn't, just didn't get as much traction as like, you know, the PS2 or, or like some of the other consoles and stuff. But they, it seemed like, yeah, Microsoft needed that help of like a solid, um, you know, game developer, publisher, like who've got a massive foothold around the world. So yeah, I genuinely, hand on heart, I thought Microsoft and Sega were going to partner. I didn't think they Microsoft were going to buy them out necessarily, but they were going to partner on this some stuff, and it's going to be awesome. They're going to blow, they're going to blow the shit up out with like they're going to blow Sony out of the water and stuff. Uh, but yeah, didn't didn't really happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did I, collaborate on some stuff. Though. Well, they yeah they did collaborate, but it's not like they didn't make a console together. Sadly, but yeah. Hey hey H two O, thanks for joining. Yo. Um, so, yeah. I do so, want to say my piece real quick. If you don't yeah, mind. go for it. Go yeah. Back then, I remember I was there was a very significant segment of the Sega community who believed that Sega was going to come back to the console business back then. And I was part of that group. I thought that Sega was going to go away and become a third party for a few years, build up some money, make some cool games, put them on other systems. The Sonic games are going to sell millions and millions, all these other games. It's going to be amazing. 
And then once they get some money back and they got their finances in order, they're going to come back out with the Dreamcast 2 or whatever it's going to be. I really thought that was going to happen. And uh, mm. man, I have to say that would have been the worst thing ever for Sega because they're just they're too small of a company to compete against Sony and Microsoft. Like Nintendo struggles to do it. And it's only because they have fucking like magic elves living in their vaults that do all this work engineering for them for these awesome systems that they make but there's just no way a company the size of sega would ever be able to compete against these mega corporations and so it was just always going to be this struggle that they would have and i think making the move to third party was absolutely the right decision and it was one of my most angry days of my life and as far as covering games and everything else goes uh, when they did make that decision, I was so pissed. I went and traded my Dreamcast at GameStop in that fucking day. I just got credit to buy PS2 games. I was so mad. And uh, I really regret that. That was so yeah. stupid. I was so mad. I, I think I had enough that. to buy like so one game or something. That. God, I never get But I thought they were going to come back, and obviously they didn't. Um, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really happy they're here. And I think, man, I would never have believed you know, a few years ago that they would be in a, as good of a, and has maybe as healthy of a position as they're in. I know, uh, overall, you know, Sega Sammy has been still restructuring and, and getting rid of some, some pieces of, of their operations and what they own and things like that. But if we're just focusing in on Sega games and, you know, that yeah. part of Sega, I think they're, they're knocking out of the park and, and doing some really good stuff. They really are. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Do you guys remember what was like the first thing you published on Sega Nerds? Like the first things you you wrote about? I we before Sega Nerds we did Dreamcasters Realm together, which was brilliant. I love that. I love that. I was just <laughs> funny enough. I was just showing Elliot Dreamcasters Realm this oh, week. Wow. Um, is that still like in the Wayback Machine or where is that? The, it's still it's, online. Dreamcasters oh, Realm. The the Stop old tripod. version of it because they had the had the tripod website. And then we went to DreamcastersRealm dot com. I think DreamcastersRealm.com is gone now uh which looks a bit better but uh yeah we've got the tripod I just dropped site. the link in the chat oh uh, yeah there you go and, and and i think on the tripod site um actually i'm, I'm going to share my screen let's let's do some screen sharing oh no wait uh -oh. it's just opened up in it's the wrong happen. window holy shit <laughs> it, looks, it looks amazing <laughs> that's a that's a naked person oh really what <laughs> yeah that, that person's naked oh wow. i don't have that i've got a um <laughs> oh, you're oh my God, such an asshole! God damn it! Okay, so yeah, here is <laughs> this is the sexy Dreamcasters realm, uh, the original website. Red. I oh, made that man. banner way back. Yeah, yeah you did. That, that banner was probably made close to twenty years ago. Oh, that's amazing! This is beautiful. This is a beautiful that? thing. Oh, look at the oh, it was two thousand four because we have the release list up there. Look at the top right corner. Samurai oh, no Jack, Astro Boy, Wow, Headhunter Two. Sega oh, GT Online, crazy. Winter of 2004, but X-Frox. Jesus. Um, I'm, just, I'm just loving some of these things. Like, Do you remember the Phantom that you were talking about? The Phantom? Eight Reasons the Phantom Will Succeed? Oh, I was a real big fan <laughs> of the Phantom. Uh, the, also, I, I bet the chat doesn't know what the Phantom was. That's <laughs> like, wow. If you know what the Phantom is, let us know, because I was oh. a legit fan of the Phantom. I was, I was in the forums. I was on... Dude, I've... I've done a lot of work on covering the Phantom over the years. And even when we were on, we were oh, part of the on, on Live fans cast, I think. Yeah. 
yeah, online fans. We yeah. interviewed one of the original like owners and the guys that operated uh, the original Phantom and Infinium Labs uh, many years ago, and that was when they had that lap board. I don't know if you remember that. That he was yeah, trying yeah. to. They were trying to get to to be compatible or sell along with on live. Uh, but yeah, man, the Phantom was a weird little system. Uh, oh, never man. existed. One of the most infamous pieces of vaporware. In the I country. still talk to this Jim or Mr. Sweet Candy fellas. It looks like two that writers have that posted joined. for years, and I don't know if he's ever going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think we've got an exclusive still on this. Yes, okay. I'm pretty sure this is still an exclusive that no other website's ever bothered to do. I've never seen an online like video or anything. And maybe I should do this one day. Sega Extreme Sports, or in America, it's just called Extreme Sports on the Dreamcast. Um, I wrote a guide for it to find all the hidden tokens around all the tracks, because um, some of them were very well hidden. And I basically couldn't find a guide online at all at the time. So I went and wrote my own, which is like, that, that's how much time I had back in, back in the day. I could do that. We should um, totally just put all these things on Mega Visions as new pieces yeah. of content. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I remember, though, there was one token I couldn't find. Uh, yeah, on the Extreme Tracks, hit Himalaya. I, I got it. I could not find it again, though, so I had no idea where it was. But I did get all the tokens. Annoyingly, though, the only way to get the two remaining tokens is to um, go online with Dreamcast. Um, but I think you, you have to download the save file now. You can't just do this... Yeah, there's a way to go online and do something online, but now I think you have to like find one of those websites. With hey, the, the I site. challenge you to go on your next stream and try to collect all the tokens using my guide. I should do that. Using <laughs> your guide, yes, exactly. Exclusive. <laughs> That's the only thing you can use. It works, man. Oh, this could be so much fun. Yeah, because I, I, I played the <laughs> hell out of this game. I loved it so much. I remember um, Graham talking about it. I distinctly remember the time where yeah. you told me you were going to write this, Graham. It was crazy yeah. that you were going to write this. <laughs> I'm also funny. digging these two distinct movie reviews. You have Freddy versus Jason and then from Justin oh, yeah. to Kelly. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro, I, yeah, look, I, look at these amazing <laughs> reviews we did. Look at this. Uh, I remember it's Doom, like complete Doom for the Dreamcast. It's like sides of the spectrum, too. Yeah. Do, look at that. Doom for the Dreamcast. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, Freddy versus Jason. They were just movies that happened to go see. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just write reviews about them. <laughs> so that's what we did back then. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is when we used to have fun. We, oh, we used to have fun. Just, what is Justin to Kelly? I have no idea what this is. That was the, the movie about the original American Idol uh, winners, and they made a movie about them. <gasps> and the thing is, is uh, Kelly, Kelly Clarkson. Clarkson grew up in the town right next to me, and she worked at the Hollywood movie theater that was right off I-35 in Burleson. And that's where they had the premiere of the movie uh, for this. And I thought that was pretty cool. But I went to watch it because it was Kelly Clarkson and everyone back then was super excited because she was from like wow. the Burleson Crowley area where I grew up. So I went and watched it. It was a super shitty movie. Uh, I don't remember what I thought about it back then. Obviously, for some reason, I'm a Michael Jackson <laughs> photo. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh. And do you remember your, your username that your pen name that you wrote under? Oh yeah. I went by the penal was <laughs> yeah, my, was so my I was going to say, who's the penal? Well, that was me. I went by the penal wivel. And in different yes. iterations over the years, I used to go by the Wivel. It's just different things. It was a weird inside joke at 
it's not oh. sexual in nature. I promise. Are you sure? <laughs> I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you the origins when you get here, and I, you'll probably be underwhelmed. Cool. But I remember this is before I had a. I mean, it's something I physically have to show you, but I'll just tell you. <laughs> That's, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be. You'll be like, underwhelmed. Nothing to show physically. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, but I feel like it would be better if we were in person. I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but I reviewed Half Life on the Dreamcast. I managed to get a copy of it. Um, the, the unreleased game, and I, this is before capture devices were, you know, affordable and in home oh, Graham's taking pictures. So I took pictures off my screen. You can completely see how bad <laughs> it. Unfortunately, you can't zoom like zoom in. Oh, I'll try and zoom in using. Oh whoa! Use like, like a that. Sony digital camera, and then yeah, just like a little SD yeah, card. His, and, dream, yeah. his dream eye camera. Here. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, like I didn't have a like mobile smartphones didn't really exist at this time. Um, right. So, yeah, I had to get, like, a digital camera, take a picture of, off the TV. That's how you did it back in the day. You can see how washed out and crappy it is. Wow. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Anyway, we, we could talk about this all day. Let's talk, talk about the past. So, yeah, um, Sega. Where were we? Sega, Sega 61. Sega 61. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, he turned 61. But we, we, what we're talking about is part of that legacy, because uh, if this didn't exist, you guys wouldn't have had this website, you know? It's true. Unless yeah. you would make like a PlayStation or his realm or something in an alternate cool. universe. Maybe. Yeah. Oh. And, and I have to hand it, you know, just give a shout out to all those people that have been grinding on mm. Sega community sites over the years and just other gaming sites. I mean, this stuff, it's, it's a grind to do for this amount of time. And I'm, I'm, my passion has ebbed and flowed. I'll say that, you know, over the years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and a lot of it too, um, you know, kind of, kind of was with how well Sega was doing was how well we were kind of doing from a, even a, a, uh, a popularity, I guess from, you know, like if, when Sega was doing really well, like our hits would go up and everything, everything was great. Mm. And then when Sega was like the down years, the lean years back in like the late two thousands, uh, it was yeah when they were published like Iron Man and fucking Golden uh, Compass. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Was there was, bad, there like, was some good games around that era, but yeah, they did put out some yeah. stinkers as well. Oh man, yeah. But. Alien. What was that Alien game that they released on the Wii and the PSP? Alien Syndrome. Syndrome. That was not fun. Yeah, that was that was because that, that was like an old Master System game, I think it was, or Mega Drive. It game. was the remake. It was an old, I yes, think, they, the arcade game or something. Yeah, like that they, they re-released back, it, and people were like, "Oh, bring my Alien Syndrome!" And I'm like, "Whoa!" But actually, was Alien <laughs> Syndrome? It was definitely something like that. Alien something. I can't. Remember. Oh yeah, but man, yeah, that was a. Yeah, interesting times. So, yeah, I mean, have you guys got any other things you want to bring up about Sega, um, Sega 61 years before we move on to our feature, main feature topic, even though that was kind of a bit of an epic chat? Uh, I feel like we covered a, a good amount. I think we got in our hmm. opinions of what they look like now. And then, you know, we saw some of a bit of that legacy with your Dreamcasters realm and, you know, yeah. all the time you guys spent. So I think I think that, that covers that part yeah, that, pretty well. Just, just think about it. Was the Dreamcasters realm around before the Dreamcast Junkyard, or like, were we the fit the first Dreamcast fan site? I feel like, I don't know. Well, we, I, I don't think, we, we might not have been, no, we weren't the first, for sure. No, okay. um, I mean, maybe the first Dreamcast fan site, but there were other, like, Sega sites out there. Mm. Or, I don't know. There were some other sites around. I know that for sure. There was um, the DCD.net, I think, uh, was one. Yeah, 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 I used yeah. to go on there. They had really good. I remember 
the graphics on their stuff because you'd have to design your buttons yourself yeah. back then and like lay it so all out fun. in front Love page it. and stuff. It was terrible. But I always <laughs> I thought they had so a great. really well designed uh, website, and I thought whoever did the graphics was was really good. Yeah, uh, they they were around for a while, and there was a few others, but I mean there weren't a lot other than us, and there certainly haven't been much of anyone that's kept doing it, you know. And um, for those people that are out there, and and the the Radio Sega guys are certainly some of them. I mean, they've been Radio Sega's been around forever, and yeah, I just it would be you know I and. It is awesome to see all of these things come up, whether it's websites or whatever, but it's all been inspired by Sega, and none of this would have happened if Sega wasn't here. Uh, and, I, and so I'm, I'm glad that Sega has made it to 61 years, and we continue to keep covering them as they go forward, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm happy with where you know we're at covering Sega as a company and I'm I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how they continue to grow and, and continue to evolve along with the, the gaming industry. It's gonna be a challenge. It's gonna be it's tough to to make it out in these <laughs> the world today. And but Sega's doing a good job. I hope they keep uh keep it up. I mean yeah. I'll also just quickly say that there's so many game companies that came and went. I mean like even like retail stores and all these other businesses we Loved or remembered, and they all died, or you know, oh, wow, how restructured. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. What I, is I, that? This is the slightly more modern version of Dreamcast's Realm, um, which I just it's found way, this, is, this is on I, Wayback Machine, so it's not all there entirely, but yeah, we, um, yeah, like I think we, we had a lick saying uh promo deal back then, yeah, we I did. remember that. Oh, uh, then, that uh, was. The it's like Porter before. Um, it's a bit like Play Asia, yeah. but Sony got them shut down because Sony are dicks, basically. Look at that. <laughs> Licksing.com sponsors DCR. Uh, so that was that's so good. You tune Gus Games chips next month. What is this? Chaos Field. Ooh, I don't even remember that. Wow. They got to bring back websites that just look like this. Yeah. <laughs> so back online. Propeller Arena. That was a game. That was also another game this we got to review. This isn't supported. Oh, man. It's um, funny how we started trying to make teaser posts back then, too, Graham. If you go back yeah. to the other page, it's like, does... What, is it, what does that say at the it? top? Go to the top. What do you mean? Another top? Nintendo gimmick? Oh, yeah, that one, oh, yeah. That was... I think that's about the Donkey Kong. <laughs> Donkey Konga. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it was fun. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember Stealthy Seal. Do you remember Stealthy Seal? I can't, you can't see it. Your, ca- your cameras are blocking him, but the guy called Stealthy Seal wrote that one. Oh, man. Downloads. We had a whole download section. Stealthy Seal, if you're still out there, uh, oh. hit us up. We got some work for you. <laughs> yeah, we're looking for writers. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Jim, too. Oh, Get back okay. to me. So, I, these are great. We need, to, we need to bring these back up. Barry, we'll finally hire you. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, those are the days. Anyway, right. Sorry, apologies. Let's let's move on. So, with that, let's move on to actual feature chat, which is all about the news of Yuji Naka um, leaving Square Enix. So, in the chat, if you've got any uh, comments or, or opinions on like the whole Yuji Naka business and Balan Wonderworld, drop in the chat. We'll we'll get to them. But uh, with that, let's move on to our feature chat. Yeah, the stream deck is working. Love it. Um, cool. So yes. Um, so yeah, if you don't know about this, um, when was it? It was, it was, it was kind of actually hinted at a few days ago 
that uh, Yuji Naka, it looked like Yuji Naka had left, um, left uh, Square Enix. And um, I was going to share my screen again. Oh, there we go. So uh, just yesterday, in fact, uh, yeah, June the 5th, yeah, yesterday, Yuji Naka actually put out a tweet, um, and this is the translated version, so not the perfect uh, translation, but it's from Google, apparently. Um, I have retired from Squee- Square Enix. God, I, cannot, I cannot talk. I retired from Square Enix at the end of April 2021 because I would like to contact the media and users. Um, I can't talk about the reason now, but I hope I can talk about it when the time comes. As for future activities, I'm 55 years old, so I may retire. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. This was first like broken by, um, a website who was, um, sort of just looking into, um, his activities. I think it was like on Facebook or something. They, they, they found, uh, they found some of, um, like, like an update basically that sort of showed that he was no longer working at Square. And so lots of websites started talking about it. And then a day or so later, um, the, finally he made this announcement. But it's, it, it seems to have come off the back of the commercial failure of Balan Wonderworld, which, if you don't know, was Yuji Naka's like next big platform game that looked very much aesthetically looks a lot like Knights. Um, so a lot of Sega fans are getting very excited. It wasn't published. Sega had nothing to do. It wasn't published by Sega. It was all published by Square. Yuji Naka was working for Square at the time. Um, and yeah, so it was like his first big 3D platformer since like working on the Sonic the Hedgehog games. And, mm-hmm. um, but it came across, it came, it was released to not so much fanfare. They released a demo, which a lot of people didn't like. The, when the game finally came out, a lot of people just sort of didn't really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't very well received and it looks like it hasn't done very well commercially. Square Enix apparently actually refused to release the details of the sales figures, which is never a good sign, really. Normally, if a game's doing well, the game's company's like, yep, we've sold. 50 million you know in the first day so uh if they're not celebrating about it it normally means that uh yeah they haven't done so well uh so yeah we published about we actually broke the we well we didn't break the news but we published an article about it a couple of days ago before uh eugene actually made his announcement um so yeah um like what do you, you guys you guys heard about this what did you guys think about it um what are your thoughts and opinions basically i'll let marston go first uh, I think, I mean, in terms of the the news that he left Square Enix, I mean, I think there were stories already where they were basically saying this was his one chance uh, for from Square Enix to Yuji yeah. Naka. You know, if it does well, then, you know, uh, they, they'll allow him to make more games, but clear, clearly this did not um, work out as, as, you know, well as he wanted. Uh, he changed his status, I think. Uh, it said he left in april um and yeah and then everyone started reporting on it recently and i guess he was kind of forced to uh explain you know what happened because there were so many media outlets that basically Mm -hmm. were were reporting and commenting on it that's why he commented on it in the past couple days um but i mean it sucks i mean like you know everyone who follows sega knows yuji naka was one of the um main developers of sonic the hedgehog uh, and he also helped develop Nights into Dreams, which is uh, kind of what I, uh, you know, uh, Balan Wonderworld's art style and, and is kind of inspired by that, I would say. Um, and, I mean, Graham, you played Balan Wonderworld. Yeah. Your thoughts, you think it was kind of okay? Like, I, I don't think you, you hated it completely. 
No, so I yeah, I did not hate it. Um, sorry, just bring up the trader again. Um, whoops, there you go. Right, um, yeah, sorry, just bring up the trader for people to watch properly. So, um, yeah, I don't hate it. I it has a lot of problems though. It aesthetically, here's the thing. I think some of the the big things that go for it. I think it actually does look beautiful. I think I think it's very good graphics. The music's fantastic, um, and I love the concept of it. So, if you don't know about the game. Uh, kind of the premises you are playing as one of two kids and you're going into like these, these sort of weird little worlds where, um, you're sort of helping out someone else because the, something's happened in their lives, but you use right. these different costumes to like get different powers. Um, and the general premise of it is really good. The problem is, um, the costumes are just stupid half the time. So there's some costumes which are really cool, really helpful and stuff. Um, there's ones which are just ridiculous, which you only ever use in one area, for example. Um, like, um, and th- there's like one, some of the costumes you don't have full control over. Like there's one where you're like this kind of chess piece with like cannons at your front and back and to your sides. And the cannons rotate around you automatically and they will occasionally right. stop and fire automatically. So you have no control over them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a bit ridiculous. Um, and there's, there's some, uh, some car- uh, costumes that are very similar to others. And it's almost like, why have you put two costumes in that are almost identical? Um, and well, uh, it also felt like, like they gave you costumes, but, and like, you can easily like solve this specific level or section in the level with another costume where like mm-hmm. some of these costumes weren't necessary in the first place. Like it's a cool thing to have, but like it doesn't really do much in terms of completion. exactly. Yeah, uh, so it's a bit frustrating. However, that said, the more I play it, the more I enjoy it. Because the whole thing is, you the more you progress, you get other new costumes which are better or more powerful or do different things. And you can go back to your earlier worlds and you find whole new areas to explore, which I love. I love that idea. I love going back to old levels with new powers and stuff. But the problem is there's so many costumes in between that are just so frustrating. So many bits are a little, just really frustrating. There's also this weird glitch in the um, the way the game plays. So, like, sometimes you'll be running along and the game will just randomly freeze for, like, a, just a split second, but it throws you off your game. Because, like, you might be twisting the camera and suddenly the camera freezes and then, like, suddenly the game just moves around. And it's like... but And I'm, like, playing on the Xbox version, which, you know, that should not be happening in, like, the modern world or, like, you know, Xbox Ones and stuff. Uh, right. It's it just... Yeah, so there are little annoying elements to it. Um, so yeah, I completely understand why a lot of people don't like the game or find it very mediocre. I've actually spoken to, however, I've spoken to some people who love it. So I've, I've just a Twitch streamer, I've actually forgotten her name. She's, she streams Battle and Wonderworld quite a lot and she, she makes it look really fun. She's enjoying the game. She's having a lot of fun. And, uh, she was the one who kind of spurred me on to keep wanting to play it a bit more. Um, I have stopped playing it briefly while I'm doing my Panzer Dragoon Saga stream, but I intend mm-hmm. to pick it back up again to just to see what it's like at the end. Cause, uh, I don't think it's terrible, but I understand why a lot of people not enjoying it so much. Um, like, have you, have you played it much at all or? No, I have not, but I mean, I've seen other people play it. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, if you, if you restart, I think people will be more interested now because now it feels like a post-mortem. Yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> Yuji Naka left Square Enix, like, well, why did he leave? Let's play this game and yeah. find out. And it's, it's uh, nice. It's, oh, sorry. What are you going to say? Actually, what are you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say, uh, like in terms of the gameplay and, and, you know, this kind of similar pattern that you, you see with, 
other developers that are held at high esteem, like Yuji Naka, and they have this um, mythology behind them, as if uh, you know their genius and whatever is unparalleled and unmatched. Uh, I feel like Keiji Nafuna's uh, is kind of like in that same realm too. Um, and I, I'll, I'll even put Yu Suzuki there with uh, Shenmue 3. Mm-hmm. I think um, when it comes to these new games that they created uh, recently, I think that it just comes to show you that you know it's not necessarily one individual that makes the game. It's also the teams of developers and people who are bouncing off the ideas off them that yeah. kind of mesh together and create this wonderful game that they've made in the past. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people made this assumption where a lot of like this content and, and what have you uh, is the result of one person. But it, it just, it, I mean, based on these games and these developers that we talked about, that's obviously not the case mm-hmm. uh, necessarily. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate with Yuji Naka and, and Square Enix because I think it, it was a cool... Um, uh, opportunity for him and, and a way for him to you know flex of his creative muscles in a different under a different developer and publisher than he did at sega and you know uh i, I don't know it sucks that, that this is how it how it turned out but i don't yeah. know i mean if, if the game is not great you know like what are you what are you supposed to do you know i'm sure there will always be a market for some people for the, for like games like that of course but you know obviously as businesses, uh, that's not exactly what they're looking for. Like a specific niche market, they're looking for, you know, a bigger success. So, yeah, yeah it's. I, I don't know. I feel like Bannerman has also got this weird thing that, like, so one one thing about Yuji Naka is he likes games that are very simple, simple to pick up and play, but um, harder to master. So, like, like the Sonic the Hedgehog games, like um, Knights and stuff, um, where it's very simple control, like Sonic the Hedgehog all your buttons are basically jump except for, you know, the direction thing, which is kind of the same as Balan. So in Balan Wonderworld, you've got your, your stick to move around and then basically all the other buttons, like the trigger buttons, the bumper buttons and your face buttons, they all do the same thing. They either jump or they do the action that the costume's designed to do. Um, so it makes it very easy to pick up and play. You know, I haven't got like, a, you know, 20 different combinations of buttons to press. You just got like a stick and a button, um, which is a great idea. But because of the complexity of some of the levels and the costumes and stuff, it makes it, I actually think it makes it a lot harder for some younger gamers and stuff to actually pick up and play. Um, and, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. And the fact that like, um, some of the costumes just don't make sense. It's, it just ruins, it ruins the fun that you could have from the game, really. And, and also they, they made it, he made it harder or the team made it harder in that once you pick up a costume, you don't have access to the costume forever. If you get hit, you lose that costume. Um, and you can go back to like this little dressing room area where you can pick up a costume again. But if you don't, if you haven't picked up any more of that costume, you can't access it. And not every level has those costumes in. So as I found on one level, I lost one of my costumes. I was like, Oh, damn it. I need to, I need to, I need that costume to get to this bit of the level. Um, and I went back to my changing room. I was like, Oh, I don't have any of those costumes left. So I had to go back to the level where it was, find where the mm-hmm. costume was, get the, you have to also get a key before you can unlock the costume. Like, so there's normally a key near the costume. Thank, thankfully it's always near the costume and you can pick up multiple keys. You can pick up multiple costumes and you can wait. You can, you, you manage to pick up the little costume icon. You then have to wait for the key to reappear. Then you have to wait for the costume to reappear. So 
it's kind of like a grinding effort where you feel like you're making no bloody progress at all just to make sure you've got enough of this bloody costume in your in your arsenal basically um so yeah that's, right. so that made it less fun for me in that in that sense to the point that i actually stopped streaming and started playing the game off stream just to grind to get more costumes um, so that when i go back i can show people hey i'm going back to the first level with this new costume where i can get to this area um which i feel like that sort of blocks the progression of the enjoyment of the game basically um and also annoyingly i think this pissed off a lot of fans in the game um there's a segment where you you um you go to you find like these hidden um balan hat things these golden hats which when you mm -hmm. access balan pops out and goes well hey and he goes into this cool cutscene where he's like flying through the air like knights um and you think oh my god i'm gonna get to play as balan this is amazing it's gonna be like knights gonna be flying through the air nope you're watching basically watching a qte scene and you have to press a button you basically balan does these poses and you have to see a shadow go across his body and you've got to match up the shadow and then you press a button and then we if you do it well he then kicks like a object that's in his way and then he fights like a bad guy and stuff and it's just like I hate those bits. <laughs> I, I, I just don't like. <laughs> they're not fun. There's nothing fun about them. It's just like, oh man, like I just wish this. Just I could have just picked up the golden hat and walked off. That'd been way better, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then, but the other fun thing is they've got the Chow Garden type thing with the little. I forgot what they're called. The little bird things. They're not Chows, but it's basically a Chow Garden. Um, bird Chow. You know, if you know what I'm talking about, um, in Madeline. Uh, what are they called? My brain is my brain's gone. But there's little bird things, and like the more the better you do in the game, more of these things keep appearing, and they make this tower thing, and you feed them gems. So you collect gems, different colored gems throughout the out of the game, which the only purpose is to feed them to these little bird things, <laughs> which is really weird. But it's fun. But yeah, uh, and Iron Chef, uh, sorry, Iron Chef in the chat says his ego got the best of him again. Um, I mean, with the a game bit, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what game other game you might be referring to that, that happened, but I guess maybe that could be the case. I, I don't know Yuji Naka personally, so I can't say for certain if his ego got in the way. I don't, I don't know if he's egotistical, but yeah, perhaps. But he also worked on Rodea the Sky Soldier. Oh yes, I believe. which was also Matt. That yeah, okay, which also wasn't that great either. Yeah. So if you don't know about Rodeo, again, that was another game that almost had the inspiration from Knights about a character who could fly through the air. And apparently the original Wii version, which the game was going to be made for, was really, really good. Um, and they released it on the Wii U in the end and the 3DS. Um, mm -hmm. And the Wii U, original Wii U pre-order version came with the Wii version so you could get the disc and play it on the original Wii. Um, and apparently that was really good. Everyone loved it. But the actual Wii U version just wasn't good. Um, I've not played the Wii U version. I've got the 3DS version because uh, Scotty semi-tricked me in the show one day. Um, he said, <laughs> oh, yeah, the 3DS version is really good. And then I basically bought it there and then. I was like, oh, we'll get it. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the good version. Then he Googled it. It's like the Wii version. Oh, I've just bought it. I'll give it a try. I played the 3DS version for half an hour, 45 minutes, and it was not good. Like It's, it's yeah. to the point that it looks really good. The idea is good. The controls are just abysmal. That it's like you can't. It's not enjoyable, <laughs> which is really sad. Um, so yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. Oh, Chef, actually, yes, there's another example of where it went wrong. So yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, man. So yeah, it's 
it's almost in a way it's unsurprising that maybe he's left Square Enix, but it's I I wish he could be given another chance because I feel like Bannon Wonderworld actually does have potential. Um, and maybe some. Do you I think, think some he of the, should retire? I don't think I see. I, I don't want him to retire. At least not yet. I feel like. I feel like he, I mean, he's, he's not that old. I mean, yeah, he's, he's fifty-five and he's yeah. turning fifty-six. <laughs> And yeah, you have people like uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who's still kind of like a, 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 a supervisor type role, and he's like pushing sixty-seven or sixty-eight yeah. or something I mean, like that. It's like, dude, you're not an athlete; you, you'll you'll be fine. Don't worry. Like, if you're an yeah. athlete at fifty-five, like, yeah, maybe it's time to retire. Your body's probably wearing down, but yeah, like, and I mean, Agionoma's like fifty-eight for Legend of Zelda, and you know, it's yeah, yeah, you're, you're still quite young. Still got some gas in the tank yeah if you've completely run out of creative ideas may, maybe maybe you should re- maybe it's a good time to retire but um yeah i feel like um he do you think his creative creativity is kind of stilted though because i feel like nights into dreams or day of the sky soldier and then battle winner will all revolve around some flying person collecting these mm. Things I don't know. I feel like the concept seems similar to me. Yeah, I, I, I feel like what he needs is a studio that can back him to create these really imaginative things, but also give him that guidance to go. This won't work because I feel like that's what's happened with Rodeo and uh, Balan. Too many they, yes men. <laughs> yeah, too. I think I think that could be the case if, if all the ideas and <clears throat> concepts that have gone into these games are completely his and like a couple of people around him. Then there needs to be someone there to go. Is this fun? Is this a good idea? Will this work? Because clearly, like, like with Rodeo the Sky Soldier, evidently from what I've heard of the 3D, uh, of the Wii U version and what I've played of the 3DS version, the game is just not fun to play. The controls are just so bad. It's just not enjoyable. Someone could have easily just gone, have we quality tested this? Because this is not a good game. Like, and that was widely the main criticism of the games was this is not a good game to play. And with Balan, it seems a lot of the criticisms are identical as well. Um, yeah, Iron Chef says in the chat, he always wanted to be in Nintendo's arms since Sega, Sega's last hardware years. So maybe he should give them a call. Maybe. I think Nintendo would be a perfect one because Nintendo's still one of those studios that does make a bit more colorful, wacky games out there. Um, yep. kind of like what Sega did, used to do and what Bannon's kind of like for Square Enix. So yeah. Um, what do you want about you? Do you think he should retire? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess it, it just depends on his own personal background. Maybe if it's like kind of overtaking his personal life and it's affecting his personal relationships, maybe, you know, and like, obviously it didn't work out for him with this game or, or the previous one we mentioned. So, I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, it's up to him. You know, he could spend the rest of his days maybe being like some kind of advisor that doesn't involve him directly in, in like these specific games, but maybe you know, as, uh, like a, a, like a Yu Suzuki type advisor, you know, kind of person or, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like he, he had a lot of opportunities that did not seem to work out for him, I guess, if we want to word it, word it that way. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I feel like, like if you or me were like, you know, using these things on a resume and we're, trying to get hired by someone else and then we show them our last three or four projects and it's not like it's turned out well i don't know like i guess if if you're if you can say like you're one of the creators of sonic the hedgehog or you know programmers and you know i guess that can take you a long way but 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, I think people would base it off their most recent projects. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know who at this point would want to take him in as as a uh, as a producer, designer, or you know, maybe he makes his own uh, independent studio or launches something on Kickstarter, like you know, Fune with Mighty Number no. Nine, which didn't turn out that well. Um, so, yeah. so that's actually what basically what kind of what Iron Chef kind of uh, just sort of said. Actually, that uh, he should really go use uh, you. Suzuki route and uh if you if if you can't retire as age why not start a small why not start a small startup um so but I'm, i just need to double check something because i feel yeah he did do, he did create his own startup if you remember probe do you remember probe uh-uh. so he did a um back he left well after he left sega he started his own small development studio called probe which um i think i weirdly think it might still be running um yeah um yeah scrub um antichrist just put in the chat he's the <laughs> only employee of pro um i believe at one point he did have a few people on his team but yeah it's it, it was starting in 2006 till it says it's still going um and yeah he did um a few phone games he did some wii games yeah there was one which was quite a fun wii game but it wasn't amazing don't get me wrong it wasn't amazing it's called let's tap that was his big release which he did with sega so sega published it um it's like one of the deals basically and he um basically it's basically like you get like a, a cardboard box thing you put the wii mote on it and for different games you tap it and like the tapping would shake the wii mote and in certain sequel, games let's tap that ass <laughs> but the, there's like a, a load of mini games it's actually kind of fun to play especially with uh, two players uh, i think you do four players actually on it memory it wasn't amazing it was like a fun little side thing you know kind of like wii sports is in a way you know those fun little mini game things but that was like his biggest release under probe as far as i'm aware and then he did some other little games but he did he did do games for the 3ds um like oh my god street pass fishing what the hell's that i have no idea um, oh did you want exactly oh, wow what the hell um ivy the kiwi on the Wii. that was actually a game that was apparently quite good um but yeah, he, um, yeah, it was actually under probe. He did Rodeo the Sky Soldier, actually. So, yeah, he has done that, basically. He has done his own little studio, not super successful. Uh, so he, I think he needs those big development shoes behind him to make those visions that he wants true. But, um, yeah. I'll well, agree I'm, with Chris on this, though. He was saying being the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't mean anything uh anymore and you know like like your your uh original games can only take you so far and uh, again like your track record of, of your most recent games isn't particularly um uh great for people who would want to take you on you know so i don't know i don't know maybe he should just <laughs> write a book or something i don't know about all his uh all his all his time in in the industry i'm sure that can sell well if he gives his own perspective on things you know because i I have heard that before too that he's he's supposedly stubborn um yeah but yeah Um, i I don't know who else would take him at this point would sega be like come back (laughs) well (laughs) something that antichrist said in the chat that um uh he didn't have a sharp record during his last years as, as an executive producer at sega either and he seems apparently he seems very difficult to work for or with so mm-hmm. i mean I, I don't really know this about him but maybe if that's true maybe if there's uh, reports of that happening um Drums. i guess you know yeah some people they 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 make a big successful franchise like sonic and maybe they think that they deserve uh, one hit wonder 
yeah, they deserve a lot. Because um, it's not like, yeah, as you guys have sort of said with the Sonic, like making the, being the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't mean anything. If he was still making Sonic the Hedgehog games and was showing that I made this Sonic the Hedgehog game which sold 20 million copies, you know, like, that's great. Like, yeah, keep, yeah, come on in almost. But um, the fact that he made, created Sonic the Hedgehog and hasn't worked on the franchise for a long time, it's like, yeah, what have you done recently? Um, as <laughs> as uh, Antichrist put in there as well. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, Iron Chef says, didn't he make PSO also? Uh, I believe he did Fantasy Star Online, the first one. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what he did, actually. Uh, he's, he's worked. This is the thing. He has got a very good history. Like, he did a lot of stuff. But... I think his last Sonic game was Sonic Writers, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. But I haven't uh, really played Sonic Riders. I think I played it for like a couple of hours, but it wasn't my bag. Okay. Um, I was trying to find his stuff, and now I can't find it. Oh, God damn it. Um, yeah, his... Yeah, he did Fantasy Star Universe, actually. That was, I think that was his last big one at Sega. Um, and he, he did some of the Sega Ages stuff. Um, I didn't know there was a Sega Ages version of Last Bronx. What? That's awesome. I love Last Bronx. Wow. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, it looks like, yeah, Fantasy Star Universe in 2006 was his last big job at Sega. And then he moved on to Pro. Um, PSO used garbage. Well, Chris and I had a lot well, of fun with that. that well, so, like, so if we look at his entire history of, of games, mm. and would we say there's more negative uh, results uh, in terms of his game development versus well, positive? Would we say? I, I feel like he's okay. I brought up the list on Wikipedia. Let's let's share this screen as well. Let's uh, let's get this going. Uh, sorry, I just need to bring it up on my other screen. Uh, do, 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 screen share. Screen share time. Turn off that. Okay, cool. Right. So this is, yeah, Wikipedia. I mean, you could, I could say take a pinch of salt, but I think this is pretty accurate. So he did work on, uh, he's worked on quite a few popular things. So Spy vs. Spy, Master System Port, Space Harrier, Master System Port, the Fantasy Star, uh, at least the first two Fantasy Star games, uh, the Sonic Hedgehog series, obviously, um, Knights, um, Burning Rangers, which is, I personally think is a brilliant game. Sonic Adventure, I love Sonic Adventure, Choo Choo Rocket, Sam the Amigo, Fantasy Star Online, Sonic Adventure 2, the couple of the Sonic Advance games, which I don't know. I Billy Hatcher. I didn't mind Sonic Advance. It was okay. Yeah, Billy Hatcher. I, I really enjoy Billy Hatcher. Some people don't like it. Sonic Battle. I have no idea what Sonic Battle is, actually. What is Sonic Battle? Oh, that's a Game Boy Advance game. Never mind. Uh, move on. Um, and yeah, then it starts to get dip a bit. So you've got Sonic Heroes, which. I don't know. There's mixed opinions on that. I didn't mind it. Lots of people don't like it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I had, yeah, I had fun with it. But I, 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 last time I played it was when I was a kid. So maybe I'll hate it now. Yeah, so I else? haven't played it since it first <laughs> came out. So it's probably terrible now. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> then it goes down. Sonic Rush. I hate. Oh no, wait. Sonic Rush Adventure. I hate it. Sorry. Sonic Rush is okay. Sonic Rush Adventure. I thought was dire. Um, but yeah, they started to go downhill a bit just before he left um, Sega. Shadow uh, the Hedgehog. I didn't hate Sonic quite. Oh, our cameras have just gone weird. Oh, I think Chris has dropped off. So let's uh, on the fly. Oh, there we go. Cool. I'll just bring up our two screen version. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of um, <laughs> yeah. 
that is, it's a, I think most, most of it is good stuff from his past, but his recent stuff's not been so good. Uh, so his more recent stuff is Let's Tap, Let's Catch. I don't know what that is. I think that's like a baseball game sort of thing where you, it's like a catch game on the Wii. Ivy the Kiwi, um, Fishing Resort. He did Digimon All Star Rumble. I don't know if that's any good. Um, the Radio of the Sky Soldier. Uh, he's done a few other ones and then Ban and Wonderworld is like his most recent one, obviously in 2021. So, I mean, yeah. I'll say, I guess with any creative individual, you're always going to have a, a, a mixed bag. I mean, I feel like there's very rarely a, a one one person's you know track record where he almost or they almost never miss, unless mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm missing someone that has has a near perfect record in game development. You know, yeah. I, but again, like I think, I think maybe it's a good time for him to retire, you know, and, and again, write a book or something. You know, you can be an advisor. They have these weird roles, you know, once you hit a certain age in, in these development companies where you just kind of oversee things. You walk around and say, doing a good job, buddy, and <laughs> collect your paycheck in some form or fashion. Yeah, so maybe um, that's just his next lot in life. Otherwise, yeah. you know you'll be making more games and people are not going to remember you that fondly um, if you keep releasing games like this. So yeah, it's sad. I don't know. Cause it does seem about 15 years since he last really had success with some of his games. Um, yes. The 15 years of basically not really hitting out of the park like he used to at Sega. Um, so yeah. Oh, and uh, Antichrist heroes. So Sonic heroes has not aged well. So I need to, I believe it. Um, oh, Iron Chef says Yu Suzuki almost has a record of all good games. Uh, I mean, that, that could be an exception to rule. I'm trying to think. From memory, yeah, Yu Suzuki has done some amazing stuff, uh, which I can't think of right now. But uh, I, I feel like he has. And then, like, again, like, it felt like once it hit the turn of the millennium even for him like 2003 2004 like he just couldn't get his stuff off the ground really um, you know and then you had Shenmue 3 which you know I I did enjoy but again like it's I feel like it was a game that required external uh opinions and, and needed some tweaking um it's so actually well since even since the ter- return of the um the millennium or whatever he hasn't done as many games as um uh, Naka has, but he's done some cracking ones. Like, um, we worked on Virtual Fighter 4, Virtual Cop 3, Outrun 2, which is one of my favorite races of all time. That's an amazing game. Um, I've never heard of Sega Race TV. Do you know what that is? Sega mm-hmm. Race TV. Never heard of that. Um, also, Chemu City. What the hell's that? That was, uh, like a mobile game, uh, in Japan. Didn't last very long. Okay. Um, oh, Iron Chef says Sega Race TV is fun. I might have to, might have to check that out at some point. Um, Virtual Fighter Cool Champ on the iPhone. I do not remember that being a thing. Is that just in Japan as well? But again, like right after 2003 and an Outrun 2 is basically like few and far between. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you have four or five games. True. Yeah. But, but I mean, most of them look like mobile games and... I've got a thing about mobile games. I think most mobile games are just bullshit anyway. Um, even the popular ones, I'm like, this is not fun. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, so he's mostly works on arcade stuff still, which is quite interesting. 
Uh, it's interesting to see an uh, arcade developer going to console, then back to arcade again. Um, but then, yeah, back to Shenmue 3 for PlayStation 4 and Windows. So, and that was his last thing in 2019. Um, now he's back where he started. <laughs> Maybe I'll make Shenmue 4 if someone lets me. Yeah. Sega Race TV. I do not know what this is. Wow. I'm going to have to look this up properly later. But there we go. Um, someone should find the Virtual Fighter 3 Saturn Alpha build. That would be cool. I remember that being mentioned in Saturn using that for the day and thinking, this looks awesome. And then it got moved to the Dreamcast. And I was like, awesome. And then I played it and I was like, I'm not enjoying this as much as I thought I would. <laughs> I did. I, like, I think at that time they had Soul Calibur and Dead or Alive 2 on the Dreamcast before Virtual Fighter 3. And I played Virtual Fighter 3. I was like, this is not as good as those two games. And I was so just disappointed because I love Virtual Fighter. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, would you, is there anything else you want to say about uh, Naka leaving and possibly retiring? Uh, I feel like we covered a lot there. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we got we got enough out of it. But yeah, I mean, I wish him the best. I, I don't really wish ill will towards oh, yeah, anybody no. unless, you know, you you harmed me in some way. But I'm, yeah. I'm a generally pretty uh, chill dude. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, for him, it, it might be time. Like, you know, you might uh, just need to you know, wrap it up. Yeah. Maybe like, sometimes maybe. you have to know when to let go. Yeah. As I say, uh, uh, I feel like he might still have a bit of gold left in him. I feel like with the idea concepts behind Rodeo, the Sky Soldier, and also uh, Banner Wonderworld, there are moments of brilliance in those games and the ideas that I think could work with the right studio behind him. And like the right people just sort of almost guide his ideas and stuff. Like, you know, um yeah i think i feel like there could be something there but we'll have to see we'll have to see where he goes i, I hope it's not completely the end for him um i hope it, i hope he's involved in some other way but yeah uh different opinions there but we'll see what happens what's hot watch this space he, he may announce in like in a few weeks that he's actually retiring and getting all together or he has one left in him like martin scorsese and he releases the irishman or something yeah very good Probably not. <laughs> the Ball and Wonderworld Snyder Cut. That's what I want to see. <laughs> His true vision, what he yeah. wanted. Yeah. See, that's the thing. If it turns out that lots of people at Square Enix actually steered him and made him do all these things, like, oh, this would be a great idea. Why don't you do this? And it turns out that's what ruined the game. Then I'd, love, I'd just love to know what happened. I'd love to know what his true vision was. If that was his true vision, okay, you need someone to dial it back. Um if that wasn't your true vision, if you had other ideas, if you wanted to go in a different way, then, uh, yeah. Like what was, was, um, development time an issue? Like were they forced to, you know, cut things out and stuff like that? Uh, I'd be interested to hear stuff like that. So get, get him on the phone. Martin, what do you do? Get, get that man on the phone. Call him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I only know where I put his phone number. Oh, good. Yeah. Maybe Chris has got it. He's run away. Uh, yeah. Chris, yeah. Sadly, Chris had to duck out a little bit early. Uh, he sent us a message. He's checking out the mega barn. Yeah. He's going to check out the new yeah, mega barn. Check out the barn. Maybe. But yeah. Okay. Right. With that, I think we should probably wrap up. Um, do you have any housekeeping? Do you want to tell people who we are, what we're doing and stuff? Um, I'm going to look for someone to raid. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we are Megavisions. If those of you who are currently joining us or listening to us for the first time, we create uh, a magazine and we're currently in the process of redesigning our magazine and we'll be releasing new information uh, fairly soon. So you can see that on Patreon and our, obviously our website. 
which is megavisionsmag.com. We're also on all of the social media sites that you see probably around our border here, too. But we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, at Megavisions and Megavisions Mag. Um, we do daily news posts, reviews, and all uh, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, if, if you like what we're doing here, you know, we do our shows every Sunday. And we also essentially have uh, a stream every day um, from other uh, people on our team. So definitely check that out. We have a Twitch schedule and I also share out a, a schedule uh, every Monday with all the upcoming games that we have streaming. Uh, this week and next week is definitely going to be busy with the E3 stuff coming up. So we'll be doing all sorts of streaming and, and content uh, surrounding that. So definitely look forward to what we got in store for you. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, and I've actually, I just looked for someone to see if someone's playing uh, Rodeo or Rodeo the Sky Soldier. No one is. Um, so <laughs> instead, I'm going to... I found someone playing... Well, it's quite a few people actually playing Balan Wonderworld. So you can see nice. what you're missing out on. And I had a few to choose from, but I chose someone called T-Roy Jenkins, which is just brilliant. Wow, I was sick. actually thinking of Leroy Jenkins just the other day. Um, if you don't know, <laughs> check Google... If you don't know what to about, Google Leroy Jenkins on, on YouTube and you'll see one of the funniest original memes on the internet it's so good uh, <laughs> um, that is a throwback yeah cool um did you sorry actually i was, I was semi-listening but did you give out uh, our socials and stuff our social medias yep cool perfect yeah yes i did cool awesome well um yeah with that thanks everyone for watching thanks for listening thanks for getting involved those in the chat um yeah we've been mega visions and yeah um have a great week everyone and be excellent to each other bye Honey, I gotta tell you about this sandwich.